This is the Patriots Catch-22 Podcast with Evan Lazar and Alex Barth. I'm Evan Lazar. Lazar, Evan Lazar. Hello, everybody. Nailed it. Joined, as always, by our Barth. That's a bit. That's a match. No risk it, no risk it. 22. Here is Evan Lazar and Alex Barth. I mean, I have to dabble a little bit just because we get all these questions and I want to be like somewhat informed about it. Barth's all over it. Yeah, most of my takes are just disagreeing with Barth. (laughs) I've noticed that and I don't like, I don't follow it that closely. But I've noticed. No, no, no. This is a bar thing. How many? T- how many times? No, that's a bar thing. Yeah, but well, Michael bar, Panics, bar likes him a lot. More Michael Panix is legitimately a bar thing. He keeps on trying. Oh, I'm to not s- disputing you, but he, he keeps on trying to tell me on Michael Panix, and I'm like, it's a lefty. I can't do it. <laughs> that that is all it is. Like I, 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 it's so valid. If you flipped him, like if you give me the film of Michael yeah. Penix and we just flip him to a righty, then I'm probably in. Well, that but, can remember they did that with Tua, and it looks so much last better. year, right? So. Can, seriously, I think I told this to you. I think I've said yeah. this to you before. Please just watch the Penix film flipped, and then tell me, and then do it. I'll I'll think about it. It's honestly not a bad idea, because then it looks better. It does. I get it. Aesthetically, left-handed quarterbacks are not. They don't hit right. Like no. it looks. I see so many people it who looks are like, like their throwing motion is broken. So many people say yeah. that to me. How do you like Penix's throwing motion? Is disgusting. I've yeah. watched it flipped. I, does he have like the most beautiful throwing motion I've ever seen? No, like it's like most college yeah. quarterbacks, his mechanics can be tightened up. But yeah, there's something about lefty quarterbacks where it just looks ugly. It feels like the ball's like too far back yeah. or whatever. Yeah, I but will give it Penix. Flips, it's fine. I will give Penix this. I think he throws more dimes than any quarterback in this class. Oh yeah, just like absolute pinpoint. Just put it on a guy. Like, you know what PFF would call like perfect ball placement, yeah. right? Like not like in a keyhole, not not necessarily just catchable, but just on an absolute dime and to a receiver. It's funny. One of the uh, here we go right out of the gate. Yeah. Um. One of the biggest knocks on him I've seen is that you know he's throwing to three receivers who are probably going to be top hundred fifty picks. And right. People like you especially know, what's the, the what Rome Rome Roma Dunze. Yeah. 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 That guy. Yeah. You're gonna you're gonna love him. I can't yeah. wait till you dig into him. Ro- but now you're gonna Ro- hate him. That Rome, I said that. Rome but, wasn't building in a day. But, yeah. But know. his 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 route running is gonna you're, you'll feel that. But um, everybody's like, oh, he has all these great receivers. How good can he be? Doesn't matter how good the receiver. You you, you, you can put the ball between the numbers on on me. Right. right, you right, put the right, ball right. between the numbers. You put the ball between the numbers. It, well, that's you might not on the quarterback. It, yeah, I, I would I, not catch I, it. You're I, right, I, I but he can it. still put it between the numbers. Uh, Marie and I, I messed up the emails, of course. So you're, you're, you know, like I'm just a, an idiot. I, I think I xed out of something I shouldn't have. Anyways, uh, <laughs> good start, good start. <laughs> uh, so we're, we're, we're gonna talk Patriots. Like, you know, we're. I, I understand, and we're gonna. We have plenty of draft takes too. Somebody called in yesterday. And said Evan, or emailed in and said Evan's like self-proclaimed that he doesn't give a crap about the draft until January. So yeah. how, why should I believe any of his draft takes in November? It, it's a very valid point. Very valid point. That's why I've told you to start but, watching. These but guys. at the same time, like when you're two and eight, you have to start to pay a little bit more attention to to some of the draft uh, stuff than I would like. I, to I can attest. You, I, I will tell people. I know you've watched more college football this year than you have in the past. I have. I have watched a little bit more college football this year. I think that this year, uh, the quarterback class, and this kind of tees off to, to what I wanted to open the show with, is is really intriguing. It is. Yeah. And I think that, you know, in some ways, 2021 was a really intriguing quarterback class as well. Yeah. Uh, you had two guys, and forget about the order that they went in. Right. You had two guys in Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields who were five-star blue chip 
you know, day one starter yeah. type quarterback prospects. That thank you, sir. Uh, that everybody was on board with. You know, uh, Justin Fields, like Trevor Lawrence, was like the golden boy forever right. at Clemson. Yeah. Justin Fields was like right behind him. He was yeah. a five star out of high school, the whole nine yards. Uh, the guy was like the best player on uh, you know quarterback since like the eighth grade. Like he was right. one of those types of guys. So that class was really good. And here we are three years later and we're talking about the quarterback the Patriots took in that class potentially being out of a job. Uh, we were talking about a lot of those quarterbacks not panning out. So that I mean, that, are any four of those five guys probably won't be starting next year probably won't get a second contract from there yeah the team that drafted him yeah I think. yeah i i would agree with that and uh you know trevor lawrence's stats aren't great this year but he's a winning quarterback and yeah. i i think that he's a good player uh, in general though uh where i'm at with mac on, on tuesday on pu i came in i said i'm out i'm out i'm out and you know i i I said earlier in the season, I don't like me on Tuesdays. I I, I get emotional. I I get reactive. So I always let the the dust settle by Thursday when we do this show. And I try to look at it maybe a little bit less emotionally. Uh, But to be honest with you, you know, is it me? Is it you, Mac? Like, I'm sorry. You know, yeah, like trying to make up with it. No, it's it's over. It's over. I'm still out. I I think the biggest reason is uh, for this. The biggest question I had for myself was, why was this the final straw? Like, he's played poorly basically for a year and a half at this point. Yeah. So why was this game against Indianapolis the final straw? And I think for me, what it was is that he didn't have to make that many plays to win the game. He he right. needed to make one play. One play. And not only did he not need to make that many plays to win the game – he had a wide open touchdown to win the game. Right, he had to make the play. It's not like, like the Washington game. Yeah, I would argue he made the play. Right, even though it was an interception, and this is going to drive people up a wall. <laughs> he made the play. It yeah. went through Juju Smith-Schuster's hands. Yeah, this was the inverse of that. Yeah, twice he had tight ends open in the end zone. One ball he just misfires, like throws behind. Well, they both misfires, but one ball he misses behind and up, and yeah. it probably should have been picked. It wasn't. The next ball he misses well short. Yeah. That one was picked. So it's not like, again, the Washington one was weird. Yeah. And, and it's it's funny. I always say it like with the, the turnover-worthy plays thing, right? You know, oh, this guy's thrown so many interceptions, but look how many of them clanged off receivers' hands. Or this guy's thrown so few interceptions, but look how many were dropped by defensive backs. I believe in time it all evens out. And that's what the last two weeks were, right? Yeah. It evened out. You had the, the Juju Smith-Schuster play was one where Mac made a great throw to win the game. Right. And the receiver dropped it, and he probably took more heat than he should have. Yeah. And then you have this one where the play was there to be made, and he didn't make it. Yeah. And I still want to say that I still feel that the biggest piece of the blame pie goes to Bill Belichick in the way that the organization has run the quarterback. Like yes. I, it's still – it's still an organizational failure that so, Mac Jones has gotten here, even if we can all admit that Mac Jones is now here. Like, you made him David Carr. Right. So Congratulations, everybody. You ruined here's, him. Good here's job. what I've said to these people who are like, how you know how, how dare you question Bill? People think we side with Mac over Bill or whatever that is. Yeah. If you're telling me that the – first, there's two parts in this. One, 
if Mac was just bad, and that's all it ever was, and that's all this is, period, if you'd swap Mac out their playoff team. Yeah. Who brought Mac here? People act like it's this, you know, this supernatural force. But it's also just like and I, I would you say knew, and then, you knew well, wait, the quarterback and then, you were so, getting though. Right. So there's a second part of that. Okay. Bill drafted Mac and Mac let him down. If that's your take, you have to look me in the eyes or I get to put it in the chat or whatever, put it in the comments, and tell me you'd be perfectly okay with the next three with if they draft a quarterback this year, the next three years playing out just like the last three years. No premium acquisitions on offense. Three offensive coordinators yep. throwing the kid under the bus in the media. Like, if you're telling me that that's how you want the quarterback handled, fine. Then you can tell me that Mac let Bill down. Yeah. But I would say that's not how the quarterback should be handled. This is a a broken player. Yep. They have broken him. Uh, he is physically and mentally broken. And I guess that you can look at it and say the bye week might be the mental break that he needs, and maybe he does start against look, the Giants. He was good after the bye last year. I think he had 10 touchdowns, four picks after the bye he, last year. The stats were okay. I don't know if I, he was All right, uh, he was better. He was, he was notably better. The, the biggest thing from this game, I thought, was uh, from the jump, first of all, pressure was an issue. From the jump. Yeah. And he – the very first drop back, I sent it to you. The very first drop back, Cole Strange gets beat de- yeah. by DeForest Buckner and Mac gets blown up in the pocket. Like, literally the very first time he drops back to pass. On the third down play, on the opening drive that he actually converted to Mike Kosicki, I, I thought that that entire play still had, like, 16 things wrong with it. Like, you know, they they show double-A gap pressure at the mug front. The linebacker drops out. The linebacker drops out underneath Mike Gesicki's route. Now, I think he was reading Max eyes when he dropped out, but he ended up throwing a tight window throw when he didn't need to throw a tight window throw. If he had just come off of the drop by the linebacker and, and open to his right instead of to his left, they actually busted the coverage on the right se- right-hand side out of the trips, and Kreshawn Booty is just wide open at the sticks. There, nobody covers him. It's a coverage bust. And... So he, he everything that you watch him do, it just seems like everything is a little bit broken. Like even the completions, even some of the good plays, I, I say good plays, uh, the, the plays that he should have made in this game that he that he was able to make, and then as you see it progress, it, it just unravels even further and further from there, and, and you have plays like the one that O'Brien chewed him out uh, for on the sideline where he's just got three open receivers and you just got to pick one like I don't care where you throw the ball to but the ball's got to come out to somebody like whether it's Hunter Henry over the middle whether it's Ramondre in the flat whether it's Juju you know on on the right sideline there has to be a throw there and it certainly can't be the underhand shot put thing that he did right Right. you know there has to be an on-time throw there then you had the Hunter Henry miss, which I thought at the time was probably the worst miss that I've ever seen him have uh, this season where it's just a balloon ball behind him off target dropped interception wrong club wrong ball placement wrong feet wrong everything it felt a little similar to the pick he threw to Ramsey in Miami and that that ball I see what he's looking at I don't think it was an incorrect read no he needs to just zip the ball in there and instead he went with the touch pass and I mean I I say the pick in Miami that's been a lot of his throws this year If, if he zips it in like, again, the throw he made against Washington, that was the right throw, even though it was picked off. And he just, he, he loves that touch pass, man. He yeah. loves that well, touch pass. Well, does he love the touch pass, or is he just a touch thrower? All right, fair. Right, so. No, because like, I've seen him, he can zip the ball. 
at times. Like, he's done it. He doesn't do it regularly, but he's yeah. done it. The, it's probably a little bit of both. The interception at, to, to end his, his day. Is the opposite. On Sunday is the worst throw I think I've seen a quarterback make all year. And I, I watch a lot of quarterbacks, and I watch a lot of bad ones. Like I, I you know, the Patriots. Oh, I don't know. There, there was some. No, no, that no, was that was the worst no, I've ever seen. A quarterback I, this isn't make. to defend Mac. This is a. There was the one Brock Purdy made. Is one of the games they lost. I think it was against the Vikings, where he's mid sack and he throws the ball backwards. I, I, I guess this it, isn't even a Mac thing. That play was just hilarious. I want an excuse I, to bring I, it up. Maybe I. I, I Given the circumstances, all right. Given the given of, the situation, fine. Of like, I just wanted games, to bring that up. It was a very was funny. This like the play. equivalent of like when a hockey player has a breakaway, yeah, one on one with the goalie with the puck on his stick to win the game, and he misses the net. Yeah, right? no, like that. A, that that's the atrocious. Throw. It, and he it, said that. It, it he it almost looks like he had the yips, right? Like it almost looks like he just he completely just made a terrible throw, and at that point, watching it and being there. You could look at the the players on the field. Yeah. You could look at Mac. Uh, his reaction was tough to watch. I, I I felt for him in that moment. I did. Uh, you know the, the slouched over. He he's kind of put his hands on his knees and slouched over. Then he got back his composure again. Started walking towards the sideline and then he slouched over again. Yeah. You know just because he just so dejected and couldn't believe it. And I thought to myself then I was like. That might be the last pass he ever throws as the starting quarterback of the Patriots. That might There's be a chance. That might be it. That might be curtains on Mac Jones's Patriots career. And we on this show in particular have digressed about how we got here and all the personnel moves and all that type of stuff. But this was the final straw for me with Mac Jones because if you're going to convince me that Mac Jones is the guy that he is the yeah. franchise quarterback of this team and he's worth building around and all that kind of stuff. I don't care if it's pressure. I don't care if you're throwing to two six-round rookies. I don't care. You have to make that play. Yeah, that's You have to make that play. Where, and, and look, Vidarian Lowe gets beat bad on that play. It was, there's pressure he got, he coming gets, off the edge. He, he, gets, he, got, he got beat pretty bad. He got beat. He gets beat, but I wouldn't call it bad. But, but, I've seen well, worse. But here's the thing. Mac has to do one of two things. He either has to move, reset his feet, and then throw quickly, or he has to just wear the hit and deliver the ball, which yeah. is what, it's what a franchise quarterback – if you're a franchise quarterback, sometimes you just have to wear the hit and to make the play. Instead, he sort of just leans away from the pressure and throws off balance, and I think that – and it, this is not new. We've seen him do this a lot. Yeah. That I think that's part of the reason the throw comes up short because he's not throwing – there's no legs. There's no lower half yeah. in that throw. And that, to me, is kind of where you look at it. And and if they're going to make a decision to move on, I think you look at a play like that, and it's, well, this guy's not – he has zero feel in the pocket right now. Yeah. He has zero feel, and you just can't – especially with this offensive line, you can't be competitive with a quarterback that has zero feel in the pocket. Now, I don't – He's David Carr. They, they, they've they turned him into David Carr. It's 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 a little Josh Rosen-y even, yeah, I would he, say. Yeah, he's seen ghosts. He's – Flinching and reacting to pressure at every waking moment, he, he's he's broken, and I I don't know how you proceed from here with that with that quarterback. There, there's a lot of quarterbacks know. though that this is permanent. That's the thing that I think that well that that's Josh Rosen right or 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 David Carr. It's very hard once that PTSD kind of sinks in. It's very difficult to break that cycle, and I think at this point we can say that 
he there's a probably a better chance that he's permanently broken than there is of him fixing himself. At the very least, it's not going to happen here. And it's not going to happen. Right. It's not going to happen this season, and it's not going to happen here. Right. Like, can he go somewhere else? Could he have – I mean, Geno Smith is like 10 right. years. Can, Maybe it's not that extreme, but could he yeah. do that thing, go be a backup for a couple years, kind of reset himself, get another chance down the road? Uh, yeah, I could see that. But, no, he's done here. And then the other element of it is the way he was pulled from that game. Yeah. I – I've never, and there's been a lot of talk about this, and I still haven't seen an example of it, of a quarterback being pulled ahead of a two-minute drill to win a game, and rather, it, whether it was intentional or not, that's a message from the coaching staff. Hey, it's time to win the game. The guy who we rode with for the first 58 minutes can't do that, so we're going to make a change. It's a disservice to both quarterbacks because the message it sends to the rest of the team and to the rest of the league and the fans about Mac Jones is basically, we don't believe he can win football games. Yeah. Which, and some people sitting there like, yeah, I knew that through two and eight. No, when the head coach says it that blatantly, that does, you don't, you don't see that. Right. You don't see that. It's also a disservice to Bailey Zappi. He's going in cold. Not, I, I, I have no sympathy for Bailey Zappi. I, I, I'm sorry, I do. Because... He's going in cold, not just in the sense that he hasn't played all day. He hasn't played a snap since week five. He hasn't played a meaningful snap in almost a year. And, look, he had, he needed to handle it better than that. He was clearly flustered. He, there was that confusion. I don't know if it came across this way. You don't you haven't watched the TV broadcast, have you? I know you normally just watch no. the All-22. Yeah. So I don't know how it came across uh, in person, but at one point they had ruled the Patriots asked for a measurement. Yeah. And the refs just said, no, it's a first down. And I don't think that was ever communicated to everybody. So he's, like, totally flustered in the moment, goes with the fake spike, blah, 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 whatever. But, like, he's in the game ice cold there. You can't put him in in that spot. That's not right to him. So I think that they had to. I think that they had to because— No, no, I, at I that point, you, you can't. You can't do it. You, Evan, it's never been done. You, you ha What choice did they have? That You can't— you can't put you, Mac you, back you in that You ride game. it out with Mac Jones, and then you sit him after that. You can't. It's it's. I, 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 I just, there's a reason that's never been done. There is a reason that has never been done. The message it sends, I, whether intentionally or not, the message it sends is the message that needed to be sent. You could. I'm telling you that this team. You could have sent the same message by just benching Mac Jones after the buy, and not fe feeding Bailey Zappi to the Wolves. I understand what you're saying. I just watching the sideline and watching the ten other guys on the field after he threw that interception on the Gesicki play. There, I actually I hate the reports about the locker room now is out on Mac and all this kind. Of, I don't. It's not nothing against the people reporting it. I just I don't think that reports like that are really. They, what do they do for anybody, right? Like, what they, they, all they're doing is getting a headline for certain, for the people reporting them. That's just my opinion. But at the same time, you can't keep on rolling out a guy that is an error repeater. Then you needed to bench him after the throw to Henry. I, I understand what you're saying, that it put Bailey Zappi in a bad spot. And I don't necessarily disagree with that. But at some point, enough is enough. Okay, well... Let me add to it. We went out at practice yesterday. Mac Jones was the first quarterback up. Yeah. Made it look like he's still going to be the starter. Yeah. How do you now go back to Mac 
after that. Because, all know. right, fine. The message that needed to be sent needed to be sent. Yeah. But now you're going to go back to him? So you've told your team, you've told your fan base, you've told well, the entire I, world. I wouldn't overreact to that. Like, A, they know that if we go out there and we see Bailey Zappi as the first quarterback up with the starting offensive line and everything, that's a headline, right? That's an immediate headline of Bailey, you know, Bailey Zappi. And it's not, it's not a headline if Mac is getting it now and then Zappi's getting it next week. No, they wanted us to see that for a reason. They wanted us to see it, but it's, it's, it's way less of a, of a story. I don't, I, not after the way that game ended. And that's the point. You don't think that it's less of a story? The way that game ended, there's no starting quarterback. The way that game ended. But there's no starting quarterback in terms of like, I don't know, we're getting to semantics, but there's no starting quarterback in terms of the future. You know, the the, The way that game ended told me they do not believe they have a quarterback that can win them games. Yeah. I I mean, I, I, so I, I believe that too. Whoever is taking the reps, it's notable. It's notable, but it's still it's headline news. I if think Bailey it's Zappi, the same because if Bailey Zappi took him, we would have been like, "All right, yeah, you look at how the game ended. Of course, it was going to be Zappi." No, I think it's the same amount. I think they hold the same amount of weight. I don't. I think that if every single talk show in Boston would be leading off with the fact that Bailey Zappi was taking first, they all let off surprise. with the fact that Mac was. It wasn't the same. It, it's not the same. It's not. I the don't same. know. I I just I. I, I think that that was a disservice by the coaching staff, the way they handled the quarterbacks at the end of that game. I think it was a disservice to both of them. I I, I guess, I don't know. I don't have any sympathy for either of them at this point because I gave them all the, I gave them, I gave Mac all the sympathy in the world for the Patricia thing. It's not, but, but here's I, the thing. At this thing. point, it's just like, you got, either you, you got to make some plays. Dude. It's not an you excuse make thing. Some plays. It, the, the opportunities you have aren't always going to be perfect. Make the most of the opportunities you have. It's not an excuse thing, but it go, Evan, it goes back to what we talked about when we started this whole conversation. If this is how the coaching staff is going to manage yes. the quarterbacks, the problem is not the problem does not end at the quarterbacks. Yeah, that's fair. Right. And let's say it's two years from now, and um, we we were talking about Michael Penix earlier, so I'll use him. Yeah, Michael Penix. He's, he's you know he's in his second year. He's still learning. There's no talent around him. He's struggling late in the game, and they pull him for Taylor Heineke late in the game. Same problem. You're gonna have the same. If they do this again with two different quarterbacks, you're gonna have the same problem. I don't. And that's my point. I, I don't disagree with you. I, I, in that respect, like this to me, and and this is what we've we've kind of tried to lay out on the show all year. I, I would say, or maybe not all year, but at least in recently, once we've kind of realized that, all right, this this might be over here. Yeah. For Mac Jones, all of this now is about learning from your mistakes, right? Like you have to learn from the fact that you ruined this quarterback. Why did we get here? And when I say ruined, I know a lot of people say he was never good. You know, they put, they coddled him with kid gloves in his rookie season to get him to be a net positive quarterback. And he was always going to get here. And if you believe that, then I'm not going to sit here and argue with you uh, over semantics of whether or not Mac Jones stunk to begin with, or just stinks now or whatever. But the bottom line is, is that if you look at his rookie season film, you see a different guy. You see a different yeah. guy. You see a more confident quarterback. You see a guy that has quiet feet in the pocket. You see a guy that's making throws within the, the framework of the offense. And you see a, a functional NFL starting quarterback that was probably destined at that point to be somewhere between the 10 and 15th best quarterback in the league. And it has just fallen off in every single way, shape or form from 
the personnel around him to the coaching around him to his play has just completely deteriorated and at this point I, you have to learn from that mistake. Right. So if you want to say that them benching Mac at the end of that game is malpractice in terms of how to handle quarterbacks and things like that, I don't disagree with you, and that can never happen again here. Yes. All this benching and and the wishy washiness from Belichick the games, to the they're me- games. Call them call them what they are. They're yeah. games. They're mind games. Yeah. Going back to the Chicago yeah. game last year. Yeah. Right. We talked about how that was a mistake and and how that was going to have long term damage. We were right. This is the equivalent of that essentially. Right. And. That's why all of this I look at and I say, I don't, Bill, to me, I can't give another young quarterback to Bill. And the, yeah. the main reason it, it, it for that is because I don't have confidence in Bill, in Bill to build a team around, or build an offense, I should say, around that quarterback. That's number one, right? Is like, right. I, I don't have the confidence that Bill is going to build a modern offense based off of scheme, speed, separation, yak ability, like all the things that we see across the league now. This is a game that is played in space. Everything is about creating space and then having receivers that can take advantage of that space. They have one guy that can do that. It's Demario Douglas. Yeah. That's it. And I guess maybe a healthy Kendrick Bourne. I would say Kendrick Bourne, too, but, when he was healthy. Yeah. But Demario Douglas right now is their only guy that that is – fits the bill of what a modern receiver should be in the in the modern game yeah and there's a reason why he's their most productive guy when he gets targeted in the passing game so I don't have any confidence that they're going to be able to build a modern NFL offense around the next guy let alone I don't really love how he's mentally handled Mac Jones with the mind games like you put it where What's going to happen if, you know, Caleb Williams or Drake May or Michael Penix or Jaden Daniels or whoever it is, you know, plays a couple bad games or gets, you know, has a high ankle sprain and misses a few games. And then are they going to just mess with them like they did with Mac in the Chicago game? And, you know, the whole nine yards of how this was handled. Mac Jones could have handled himself better in certain instances in that respect, too. Yeah. And I, I don't deny that. But at the same time, one person in this situation was the adult. Yes, exactly. And That's it, a great point. And it was Bill. Bill is supposed to be the adult. And he handled it just as immaturely as Mac Jones did. So whether Mac is, you know, I know a lot of people think Mac is a baby and Mac, you know, is spoiled and Mac is all these different things. You know what? They're, he's a kid. He's a kid. He's a kid. And yes. it's 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 the job of the coaching staff to kind of, and, and honestly, Bill talks about this a lot, or he used to. He's not just coaching these players as football play, and you hear a lot of good coach about this, right? We're, we're teaching them how to be men, teaching them how to be adults, yeah. and I think that's just part of it. I think when you have a young quarterback, you know, 21, 22, 23-year-old kid that's being given millions of dollars and in, in, in is the face of an NFL franchise, that's a lot to deal with, and you have to kind of manage that. And look, should Mac have gone out, this is the one from last year, right? Should Mac have gone out texting uh you know coaches or Dan Orlovsky or whoever for like outside advice right he shouldn't have done that right but the bigger question is why did he feel like he needed to don't create an environment where the quarterback feels like he needs to do that that's where you start but I would also mention like that type of stuff happens all the time I that, that being so butthurt about that was so silly because that too everybody's got their confidants 
everybody's got their consigliaries. Like, I understand the resume is different. So people right. are going to come at me and be like, I, I know exactly Bill. what you're about to say, but why can Bill call Mike Lombardi? Oh, I thought you were going to say something else. Or why can Bill call, you know, whoever, one of his coaching buddies, right? But Brian Kelly, Chip Kelly, Chip Kelly, sure, whoever, right? Nick Saban. Saban. Why can, why can he call those people and say, you know, what, what's, what's your two cents on this? Or what's your advice on that? Or what, what do you think of this player in the draft? You know, like, why can he call those guys? But then if Mac Jones calls Steve Sarkeesian and says, can you watch my film and tell me what I'm doing wrong? He's, he's Satan. And you know what? He's, he's, he's an enemy. We probably should have seen that coming. Cause you know who else did that? The cameras can't see it. That oh. guy. Yeah. Tom Brady and building it like that. The whole Alex Guerrero thing. Right. So it's not new. Uh, all right. Well, that's where we're at. That's a sta- nice state of the Patriots for you with the buy. They have no quarterback. They're two and eight. Other than that, how is the play, Mrs. Lincoln? Right. Yeah, like yeah. that. That's where we're at right now. <laughs> oh, with this team. How is Germany? Uh, Ger- how is the oh, trip? Yeah. I'm sorry. I, I I was gonna go there, but then we got into the quarterbacks, and and you know I digress. Oh, we should clarify. By the way, yeah, this is reminding me of it. Yeah. A lot of people asking why last week's show is not on YouTube. Yeah. So we had a, you, 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 I was you were at a dance club. party. I was in the club. No, you're at the house. I was in the Patriots house. That yeah. is true. I was in the Patriots house. Uh, it was, you know what? It was really cool. Uh, you know that I was, I was dreading it a little bit because of the flight and the travel and, uh, you know, out of the country. Like I, I'm a, you know, this as well as anybody. I am a hundred percent, a creature of habit. Yeah. I have a, a I'm not going to say the name because I don't want Kenny in marketing get mad at me. I have a coffee every morning. Yeah. I have Jersey Mike's for din- for lunch every day. Like I, I just I stick to my comfort zone. And you're, you, you're a homebody. Wait, I am, and, and so is Jess. So it works out perfectly. If you take me and you drop me in a foreign country that doesn't speak English, where I can't get a Jersey Mike's number seven, I like combust on the spot. Like I, I just combust. But I will say this. I had a really good time in Germany. It was a good time. It was it was a really fun uh, atmosphere. I, I can't thank the people of uh, of Germany and uh, all of the international Patriots fans because it wasn't just people from Germany or people from Frankfurt. Uh, there were people from uh, the UK. There were people from uh, all over the place. You know, UK, Italy, Ireland, like everywhere. Uh, I can't thank all those people enough. It was so cool. Like we, if you were there, you would have had the same thing. We were like the Beatles over there. Like people yeah. were like waiting in line to say hi to us after the shows and things like that. It was crazy. I've never experienced that in my life. And it was really cool. It was surreal. Uh, and uh, the brats were fantastic. Yeah. The schnitzel was fantastic. Right. It was a what good time. What is schnitzel? It's just like breaded chicken. Right? Yeah. It's like fried chicken. Right. It's like a cutlet basically. I get, I get down with that. Yeah. It was uh, it was all very very cool. Uh, the beer, not you know, didn't partake too much. That, that's a lie. <laughs> how, how uh, the beer was great. How was the McDonald's? I didn't go to McDonald's. <laughs> I saw I that. Didn't go to McDonald's. I saw they went. It was Tamara and uh, Alex, right? Yeah, I didn't McDonald's. go to McDonald's. Uh, yeah, Deuce and Paul went to Five Guys. Oh, uh, t- Tamara and Alex went to McDonald's. And uh, and I I was like I went in Germany like I'm gonna go get a brat or something. I would have like been that. interested to that. see it. I don't know that I would have like. Yeah, I would have been interested to see what like the fast food's like over there. I wouldn't. Have, I would have done it once and been done with it. I, you're right. I would. Have I, been the, the I let them. In the beer. I let them tell me what it was like. I'm not a big brat. Also, guy, I'm a big. I'm me. a. As you could imagine, I'm a big like turkey club, chicken club yeah. kind of guy. Uh, they put egg 
in the sandwich, which I kind of liked. It was like egg, bacon, like a fried egg. Like, yeah, yeah, like yeah. kind of like a breakfast sandwich meets okay. a, meets a club. Like they do, like they do that on burgers here. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. kind of like that. Yeah, it, it was good. Uh, you gonna start getting it that way now? Uh, I don't know. Dude, Jer- we don't really do that around. Jersey here. Mike's gonna have to start stocking eggs for yeah, you. Yeah, right. They're gonna have to start cracking some eggs. Uh, so that that was uh, that was Germany. But you can call in eight five five Pats five hundred. We have some emails that we can get to here as well. Everything's on the table. Look at two and eight in the bye week. No no game to talk about. Uh, the draft. Uh, next off season, anything you guys want to talk about, just give us a buzz. Eight five five Pats five hundred. Evan shenanigans in Germany. Uh, my I'll. You know, some of it's probably not the best for air, but, you know, we can talk a little bit about that as well. I was uh, one thing about my shenanigans in Germany. I was a little bit disappointed by the music because they just play American music over. Oh, I heard. I heard for two hours last week. All it is is, you know, like Rihanna and like, you know, American music. Like I really wanted like, you know, you saw Triple X as a kid, right? Yeah. You know, and they go to the clubs and just don't, don't. Well, no, like, I'm where, thinking. Where's like the German house music? You what's know? Like, that? Um, where's the 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 German guy yelling at me? Like that's what I wanted, and it I you know we only got that a couple times. I'm thinking the other way. What's the what is it? Uh, not, is it polka music? Oh yeah, yeah. You know, like the old yeah, school. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Like yeah, you, you I don't see know in called. um, we probably just butchered it, that. To but. to another movie, Euro Trip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I understand what you're saying. Right. Yeah. Like the, the like what I think when I think of like like Oktoberfest like that like Right. The, well the, well this is, you know, the accordion okay, and the Okay, but Frankfurt because I learned this the hard okay. way. Frankfurt is really not Oktoberfest. Like they have their own version of Oktoberfest, but Oktoberfest happens in Munich, right? Okay. Like that. So, uh Lederhosen, not a Frankfurt thing. Okay, so this this is more in another city what I'm right. talking so about. Right. So like okay. that, you know, I was told specifically that Lederhosen is like coming to Boston and wearing a cowboy hat. Okay. Right? Like, it's just completely wrong. Technically, Schnitzel's from Austria, too, so that's also well, but isn't, wrong. But isn't Frankfurt kind of near Austria? Isn't it that part of the country? Yeah. Okay, I mean, it's so, all, all right, it's all yeah. in that area. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, it's a little World War II history lesson for you. Uh, but uh, that that's – um. it was fun. It yeah. was It was a good time. Hey, I wish the game had ended better. I, I, that was my my biggest takeaway, and, and then we can we can wrap this Germany co- talk here. My my biggest thought on Saturday night before the game, and I actually bumped into Mike Reese uh, in the downtown area, and we had a little chat about it as well. Was it was kind, of, and I texted you this. I think it was kind of nice to be around fans that were just happy to be there and just excited for a football game. And they didn't necessarily – like, they they knew the state of the team, and they cared that they were 2-8. and I'm not saying that they were just, like, these pom-pom waivers that, that, you know, didn't care that the team is where it is. But they were just so happy that the team was someplace that they could go to watch a football – them play football. And in some respects, it it, it pulled you out of – a, we're so in it as people that cover the team, and for me, it works for the team. Like I, I'm in it so deep, and then also we're we're really in the negativity too because of where the team is at. Th- these people were just having a good time, smiles on their faces, happy to be there. You never would have thought that the the team was two and eight. You could have told me they were eight and two, and I would have believed. And it. I, I think you needed that. You need you just it was a good like mental reset of like what this is. At the end of the day, it's just football, right? And at the end of the day, sports are meant to be fun. Sports are meant to you're meant to cheer for your team and have a good time at these games. And I, I think a lot of us have just fallen into the doom and gloom. 
I, I, I had that all in my head on Saturday night, and then you get to the game, and it's the same Patriots right. team, and they lose the way that they lose, and it, and it kind of brings you all back to, oh, right. 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 This is where we're at. But in, in general, I, I thought that that was nice. No, it, it is good. I, I mean, you did, that's a big part of the way I look at it, right? At the end of the day, football's football. I'm enjoying the sport of it. I'm enjoying, you know, you right. put two teams on the field. I don't really care if, if it's competition, if, if there's, you know, competition there if people are into it if there's emotions with it if it, i enjoy it yeah and so i'm glad people got to I, i'm always glad people get to experience football so yeah so let's put a bow on this colts game and never talk about All it right. ever again and uh let's do three up three down and then uh we'll take some calls and, and we'll take some emails and we'll talk some draft i think uh, you know a little bit here today too uh, how sad is that november's not even thanksgiving uh, i'll start with three up three down um Number one up for four weeks in a row, Alex Christian, <laughs> Christian Barmore. Christian, we Barmore. might have to remember how like the Sports Center not top ten retired. Yeah, the butt fumble. Yeah. We might just have to be like, yeah, Christian Barmore is good for moving yeah, on. Yeah, he he he's he's up. Right, he's up. Uh, Christian Barmore again in this game. Their most impactful player, I think, on either side of the football in this one, uh, besides maybe one of my others, but I, definitely their most impactful defensive player. Uh, he had uh, three stuffs again, and that I think that's I keep saying it, but his improvement against the run has really stood out to me the most. Like we always knew he could rush the passer. He had those a uh, really good pass rushing stats as his rookie, uh, as a rookie, his ability to two gap, his ability to shoot gaps when they allow him to, like he did in the TFL, uh, th- those types of plays have become consistent from him in the run game. He's a three down player now. And look, you have to rotate guys on the defensive line. No yeah. one's going to play 100% of the snaps, but he should be the equivalent of a 100% snap guy on the defensive line, like 65, 70%. He should of the be snaps. Your, your top defensive lineman, whatever yeah. that is. Like he should be the most yeah. used in third downs, all that. No, this is the guy when he was coming out of Alabama. Remember, people were surprised he fell. He was supposed yeah. to be a first round pick. And I think some of the concern was would. You know, you draft defensive interior defensive lineman in the first round. Yeah. You expect a three-down player, and I think why he fell was people were worried about him as a run defender as well yeah. as some of the injuries. He's healthy. He's developed as a run defender. This is a guy, and, and we'll get more into it uh, after the season, he's going to be an extension candidate Agreed. once the season's over. That's a guy you pay because you got him. Uh, we got they got to figure out what they're going to – oh, Bentley's extended. So you got him. Yeah. You got Bentley. You got Christian Gonzalez. There's one guy at each level yep. for you to build around, and that's a really good place to start defensively. Uh, and I know Judon kind of on the defensive line, that's a guy you're building around, but he'll be entering the final year of his deal. Yeah, 32. He's in his 30s. He's yeah. coming off an injury. He's probably on the way. Like You're not building maybe for 2024. You're kind of still in the plans, but I'm saying long-term. Christian Barmore can be a linchpin for your defense. We know what that position, that athletic defensive tackle position means to – the Patriots' defensive style, and even if Bill Belichick's gone, I wouldn't think the defensive style is going to change drastically, if at all. Yeah, we'll get to that. That's a good question. That's about that. that's a guy you got to keep around. I, with Barmore, I, the only thing that I wish uh, for him is that they had a guy like Judon to actually finish some of these pressures that he's getting. Right. Because he's not a finisher. Like, he's not going to be somebody that's going to have, like, double-digit sacks or something like that. He's a disruptor. Well, that's supposed to be Josh Uche. Right. And- yeah, so whether it's Uche or whether it's Judon, I, I, you just wish that there was somebody there to clean this up for him because he's constantly infecting the pocket. And, and they just have to have somebody that can go out there and finish uh, power, you know, with the bull rushes and the two-gap stuff. Uh, slipping around Quentin Nelson to backdoor that play on the TFL in the end of the game. 
uh, just a fantastic game for him again. Uh, he has been statistically a top three defensive tackle in the league for about a month and a half yeah. now. Uh, so he's playing fantastic. I think PFF football. has him number eight in the league overall yeah. defensive interior. All right. Uh, who you got? Uh, number one would be Barmore. Yeah. And my number two is going to be the same number two. It's been the last couple of weeks. Yeah. The running backs. Yeah. Zeke Kelly, Ramondre Stevenson. Both those guys we, look we like. We have like the same list, I think. <laughs> I mean, we watched the same game. Yeah. Both those guys look like they, they you know, early in the season, I think that and, and Mondre was limited in training camp. Zeke wasn't in training camp at all. I think they've got their yeah. legs under him now. I think they're in regular season shape. I think they're ready to go. If the Patriots do want to win games here down the stretch, these guys got to be a big, big part of it. Yep. They're moving well. They're breaking tackles, all of it. Uh, yeah, I like what I'm seeing from from both of them. Absolutely. I had Ramondre Stevenson as my number two up. I thought that he ran the ball fantastic in this game, like vintage Ramondre in this game. Uh, when it, when Ramondre is feeling it, and you can tell, it, it's always about how he finishes the runs. And I thought in this game he was running angry. He was running over guys, uh, breaking tackles, back on the slalom slopes, right? Just yeah. dot, you know, kind of weaving in and out of tackles it through the line of scrimmage. Uh, so much better in terms of his decisiveness, his awareness of where things were going to come from. I thought that he was really good in this game, and I, I, I think that he's been really good uh, for the last – let's call it three or four games he in terms of like yards after contact force missed tackles rushing yards over expected like he's near top six or seven backs in the league for about a month now so he's yeah. back to being one of the nfl's best ball carriers and and you have to give him some props for that uh my third up i, I had two you know i, I know okay. it's a 10-6 game kind of weird to have yeah. four uh, but I do want to give Jelani Tavai some flowers. He's He's been playing good football. So Jelani Tavai has been one of their best players. Uh, PFF has him right now as the sixth graded linebacker in the entire, like off-ball linebacker yeah. in the entire league. A, a top 10 player at his position. Uh, he's been very, very good. Now, is he, is there certain limitations to his game that, you know, you're not going to have him covering guys 20 yards down the field and things like that? Yeah, of course. But I actually think he's pretty good in zone drops like he drops pretty uh well quickly uh, uh diagnoses routes uh the play on the miles bryant interception was a fantastic yeah. play to get his hand on that ball i uh, had a pressure in the past game when they did let him rush uh, plays the run well this is one of those guys that if you had some of those you know finishers like i was talking right. about earlier if you had christian gonzalez out there if you had matthew judon out there uh jelani tavai would be taking care of his 111th and you would be you would be a good defense, right? Yeah. If he was just kind of a starter instead of somebody that needs to be go out there and may, make a huge impact. Uh, he's been really, really good uh, all year. And, and I think that it, it's interesting when you look at his like PFF grades, how they've just gotten better and better and better with each season. He's under contract for next year uh, with the Patriots. So for like $2 million. I yeah. Think. So yeah. he'll be a Patriot in 2024. Uh, I think Tavai has been really good. Yeah, and I think the big thing, and you kind of touched on it there, last year, remember, they, they tried playing him off the ball. It wasn't working. They moved him in the edge, and he was good there, but that's a limited role. Yeah, I remember in camp, early in camp, he starts making plays and coverage, and I'm like, what is going on here? This is this is new. And I I remember I asked him about it in camp, and like I said, is coverage something you focus on the soft season? He didn't really want to answer the question. He was like, you know, I work on a lot of things, blah, 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 but it, like, it was one of those answers. I, I don't remember. I have to go find the full transcript of it. But yeah. he basically said yes without saying yes. Yeah. 
And you're seeing it. It's carried over. Like, he looks so much more comfortable in those situations, and he's turned himself into a three-down off-ball player. So he deserves a ton of credit for that. Yeah, I agree. Uh, so uh, last one here for me Yeah, because I, I'm going to go the other way on, on one on this group in a second. Uh, run blocking. I, okay. I thought this was a really good run blocking game, especially in the second half. Uh, City So on Wenu. I'll even give Cole Strange some some love in this as well. Uh, the, they were moving the line of scrimmage on those duo schemes, the gap schemes, running right downhill at the Colts. A couple good wham plays in there, a couple good outside zone plays. Like This is the best I think they've seen them block outside zone in a, in a long, long time. Uh, they were really, really good at, uh, really good at, uh, at run blocking in this game. And uh, I, I, I give a lot of credit that they – continue to run block well even though and we'll get to the downs here in a second the pass blocking was atrocious but they were good in that respect and uh they deserve credit do you have any more yeah this might surprise some people bryce Beringer. yep i was excellent in this game four times for a total of 250 yards now i he had two touchbacks and i saw a bunch of people complaining about that and yes normally you don't want touchbacks it's true most of the time but, and Matthew Slater talked about this after the game, so this isn't just me making excuses. When you're punting from your own 20, yes, you can kick a touchback. Yeah. That's still a 60-yard net punt. Right. Right, and he had a 79-yarder, and it was a touchback, so it turns into a, a 59-yarder. Yeah. But, yeah, if it's a touchback, you'll take a 59-yard punt because the reality is if you can kick the ball that far, you don't want to outkick your coverage. And the best way to do that is to not allow a return. So I, I thought, you know, Sometimes you just go to the driver and you blast the ball. And you do that on a par five where the hole's nowhere near you and you don't have to worry about, you know, overhitting it or anything. Yeah. I'll I'll take a touchback from the 20. I have yeah. no problem with that kick. And he's still, even with the two touchbacks this weekend, is six in the league in I-20 percentage. Yeah. So... He's been he's been okay. I, mean, he, I, leave, I leave the punters to you. So here's what I would say. Fine, here's what I would say. The first couple games he had, he I think he the first two games his first punt in each game was a shank, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Since then he's been excellent. Yeah. So, all right, he's a rookie who had two bad plays in his first two games. That happens. Right. I am totally okay with that. We'll talk about Chad Ryland in a little bit. I think that one's a little different. Yeah. I I, I think you have to be happy with it. it I know people hate when I use this line of so-and-so was their biggest problem, blah, blah, blah. If Bryce Berenger was the biggest problem for the Patriots special teams right now, they'd be the number one special teams unit in the league. Like, he is doing, he can't ask for much more than what Bryce Berenger has done to this point, especially from a rookie. I, I think he's been good. I think this was another good game for him this week. Okay, so fair enough. Moving down to the, uh, also, he almost hit the scoreboard. It was close. I know, I got so many people close. tweeted at me. Thank, all, thank you to all of you. Yeah. I got so excited. That was like the highlight of the game for me. It was close. <laughs> Yeah, where we were sitting, the ball went behind the scoreboard. So if if I if he had kicked it more into the middle of the field, I think it would have. It so clanked. he talked about that. Um, he, he, I think he aimed to to. It was wide. Kick I, it I, maybe scoreboard. it wasn't him. Somebody said it. The scoreboard's like, like the one in Dallas, right? We talked about yeah. it that week, but it's narrow. Yeah, the scoreboard there, I think, was wider than yes. the hashes. Yeah. So I I do think it maybe it was. Might have been Jake, Jake Bailey that talked about that when he played there last week. I don't remember who said it, but yeah. somebody was like, "Yeah, you have to, like, you have to kick around it." Yeah. So yeah, it was it was close. Three downs. So 
Mac is on my downs list. I think we've beaten that enough, that dead horse enough. I don't need like to Like I said, off. we have to we might have to retire Christian Barmore. We might yeah. just have to retire yeah. Mac and yeah. be like, yeah, yeah it's okay. assumed. He's a down. Yeah. Why are you excusing Mac I, from the downs? Talk about him. Rewind. Yeah. I will excuse your boy Bryce Beringer from this because okay. you're telling me that he was fine in so this. So I game. think then we're gonna have the same down here, but special teams. Special teams minus Bryce Beringer is one of mine. Special teams I have to I just have to do this for a second. The fact that this team is thirtieth in special teams DVOA. 30th? They were thirty first last They're week. So 30th. they moved up. So they moved up. They are thirtieth. Don't put them as in a down, Evan. They moved do, up. DVOA is as much of an indictment on this coaching staff and the way that this operation has been run this year as the quarterback. This team, this team, Alex, got stripped. OTAs in the spring because they practiced special teams too much. Uh, to be they fair, spent too much on too special many meetings. Teams, they didn't they practice at it. Too not practice. Too many they, meetings. It is unbelievable. They have three special teams coaches. Name me another staff that has two special teams coordinators and an assistant special teams coach. They essentially have three special teams coordinators on this team. They have five players. And I'm including Ty Montgomery in this because he played one freaking snap on offense last week. Yeah, he's week. a special teams player they at this point. They have five players that are special teams only players. Who is it? It's it's Slater, Slater Board, Board, Schooler, Schooler, Montgomery, and I, oh, and Cody Davis. Cody Davis. Honestly, and you can include you could include Amir Speed in there because that's what he was before he got cut. They have five guys on the roster right now on a 53 man roster that are all active on game day that all cover kicks. That's it. That's their one responsibility. They have two special teams coordinators on staff. They have five guys that only cover kicks. They spend more time on special teams than any other team in the league to the point where the league punished them for it. <laughs> and and not to mention, they became the first team in 30 freaking years to, to use two draft picks in the same draft on specialists. And not to mention, they have the highest paid long snapper in the NFL. And they, I don't think they do anymore. They are garbage in the kicking game. Hot, piling garbage. They can't cover kickoffs. They almost gave up a kickoff touchdown. A one of your special teams only guys, Ty Montgomery, he made the tackle. Good for him. They can't cover kickoffs. They can't return. They can't kick field goals. This is an absolute abomination. It's an abomination. And I, I, I just I can't for the life of me believe in this regime anymore when all, all they do is shove down our throats that special teams matters and we should care about special teams and we should care about their investment in it and this is the right thing to do this is how you win football games if you believe that and you're this bad in the kicking game then how do I believe anything that comes out of your mouth and so that's where I'm at with the special that teams. is as impassioned as I've ever seen you about special teams I love that I wish it was under better circumstances, but still. Uh, four players this year have not played a snap on offense or defense for the Patriots, only on special teams. Tyrone Wheatley, Jake and Jake Andrews is one we need to talk more about, by the way. It's not at any fault to him. Yeah. That's a top 150 pick. Yeah. That, I mean, we, we've gone over the guys that were on the board there. Tyrone Wheatley, Jake Andrews, Chris Board, and Cody Davis are the only players that have not played a snap on offense or defense. Slater and School are on for that Hail Mary, remember? Yes. Um, yeah, no, and I, I, I think to add to your point of 
there's this focus on it, and it's the, the results aren't there. It was so bad last year. Yeah. So and we were told not to interrupt you, but we were told no, never apologize for talking about special teams. That Joe Judge was going to come back over to special teams, and this was going to help, and this was going to fix things. They might be worse. They are and worse. They by a number of major metrics, they are worse. They are worse than they were last year. And 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 this guy is still employed by this team. <laughs> I can't understand it. That's that. Th- this is what gets me. It said it was so bad last year, and I was somebody defending the moves they made because it needed to be better. Right. I I, I, I what I I don't think I, we've talked about Chris Board once. In ten no. weeks of doing the show, and no. it's it's uh, this isn't Felger and Maz where they weren't going to talk about him anyway. This is us. If he makes a play, we'll talk about it. Right. I don't think we've said his name once. That part to me is shocking. Kind of the the allocation of assets there. Uh, there's been some other things. First of all, penalties. They are second in the league in specialty. You want to hear some real bizarro world? The New England Patriots are the second most penalized special teams. Unit in the league. They have 12. They're tied with Dallas and Cleveland. Green Bay is one. You know who has the least special teams penalties? The Los Angeles Chargers. That is where special teams goes to die. <laughs> Not anymore. Apparently. Now, now it's New England. Apparently. But I just had to throw that as an aside. 12, 12 special teams penalties, Evan. What, what percentage of the snap? I don't know what percentage of the snaps the penalties are, but or the special teams is, but... Well, they, yeah, I mean, they punt more than any other team. But I would say so. you have 30 on offense, 21 on defense, 12 on special teams. The per, I, I'm going to pull up this number next time you talk, I'm going to find it. The percentage of snaps that result in a penalty, uh, that percentage feels very high on special teams. They keep running kickoffs out of the end zone. Yeah. They've run six kickoffs out of the end zone this year, Evan. Do you know how many of them they've gotten past the 25? Can't be many. It's zero. Yeah, they, they can't. They, zero. They can't even kick off return past the 20-yard line. And then, they, no, they get past 20, the 25, the touchback line. Sometimes they don't get past the 20. I think they've gotten past the 20 on all but one of them, I believe. They The, the, the ones that go into the end zone I'm talking it's about. It's just all bad. It, it, I, I And then, yep. another one. I, I'm fine with this. We can keep piling that, on this. This is just horrible. That The punt return. Yeah. The, okay, I'll I'll start here. I was going to go here too. I have no problem philosophically. Yeah. The other team's backed up. You know it's a field position game. You know you need a spark. And you know your offense can't score. I have well that that's another way to put it. Yeah. I have no you need a spark. Fine. We're going to go all out block here. We're going to just sell out for the block. I I have no problem with that strategy in theory. But here's the thing. The the way that works is you have to commit to it. It's a risk-reward play. You put all 11 guys at the line, and you're selling out for it. Now, the, re- the, the way one way you can counter that as a punt unit is say, all right, because it's essentially what you do at that point is you turn into 11 on 10, right. and you're guaranteed a free rusher. Right. You're not guaranteed a free rusher when not because the returner cancels out the punter. Right. If you go 11 on 10, you have that. What some teams will do, and so usually the counter from the punt team is you bring the gunners in. Yes. And now it's 11 on 10 in the box. What some teams will do is leave the gunners outside and say, fine, come at us. But, I mean, think about it. There's no returner back. If there's 11 guys all pinched in, you're just going to throw the ball out to one of those guys and he's going to run forever. Right. So that's the counter. Okay. Then that's usually when you back out of it. What some teams will do is leave a guy kind of in the middle of the field short 
where he can run back and still get the punt even if they do kick it, to go what they did instead was they put the Colts leave the Gunners out and they put Pop Douglas and Sean Wade in essentially no man's land. They're 15 yards off the line, so they're not going to help block the punt. They're probably not going to help if there's a fake. They're not that close. Yeah. And neither one is a position to run back, right, run back and field the ball. And credit to the Colts punter. I mean, he gets off a hell of a kick there. Yeah. And and part of what you're assuming is, all right, if we're going 11 on 10, he's going to quick kick it. He's not going to get as much leg. So credit. Those guys get paid, too. There is some of that in here. But And Bill and Slater both said after the game, the play didn't go the way it was supposed to go. I, Shocker. I, that wasn't the way it was supposed to I go. I feel like Douglas is supposed to peel back and go get the ball. But, like, you can't—you had two players—you were playing 11 on 9. Yes. You had two players that had—however that play was going to play out, you had two players that were not in position to do anything. Yes. You can't have that. Again, go 11 on 10 all you want. I would have loved an 11 on 10 look there. And if he gets off a hell of a punt against an 11-man rush, he gets off a hell of a punt against an 11-man rush. That happens, you tip your cap. Yes. You can't sell all out for the block and then not try to block the kick. So, after the game— I spoke to a few of the, of the of the special teams guys Slater, and uh, they told me that what they saw on film was that if they put nine guys across the Colts, yeah, that they would bring one of the Gunners in, right. And when they brought one of the Gunners in, that would get them the numbers advantage if it was man on man blocking, like you right. just broke down. What happened was is they left the Gunners out, and then they just zone blocked inside out so basically all the Colts did was said cute nice they they called the bluff nice punt block you guys got here you know they made a check at the line of scrimmage to go from man blocking to zone blocking to block inside out so that they could keep the punter clean and they blocked it and that was that a 70 yard punt it was 69 yards and that that's where again so when they see that when the gunners don't come in you got to check out of that and somebody else goes out, and, and I believe Pop Douglas was on the left. Yeah. Somebody else goes out, covers that left gunner, Pop Douglas goes back. You say, all right, they didn't take the bait, reset, go. It's just a regular punt return at this point, however you want to, whatever you want to call that. Like, you got to check out of that at that point. Just brutal. They're, yeah. they're just brutal across the board in special teams. And when you're this type of team, when your offense isn't going to score 30 a game and your defense is playing without two of its best players – you have to find ways to win games on the margins. And at this point, they are actively losing games because of special teams. And it's, again, where, I again, I don't hate the idea, but you have to be able to execute it. And this is really, like, special teams, I think, you know, for us, we, we try to talk special teams, and I, I tell you up to talk special teams, but it, it, it's pretty, It's there's a lot of minutia to it yeah. that people, frankly, even me, don't, don't, goes over your head. But at the same time, this has been tangible the last two weeks. The, the They imploded at the end of the Commanders game with all the penalties on special teams and, and some of the things that happened in the fourth quarter of that Washington game. And then they imploded again in this game. They missed two field goals. It was a 10-6 game. Yeah. Right? So these are things that are just actively losing you games. And again, point. special teams is at its core. Field position. Yes. Special teams is all about... They always say... The f- number one priority is the ball, right? Like, you have right. to come away from the play with the football. That's priority number yeah. one. And then priority number two is obviously controlling field position. Yeah. When you have – when you're almost leading the league in penalties, special teams penalties, 
what penalties are what at their court? It's a field position. Yeah, you. That's what when you get penalized in the NFL, your penalty. You, they don't take points off the board. You lose field position. That's the next most valuable thing. When the the biggest field position phase of the game is costing you field position. Yeah, it's a lot to overcome, and it, it's it's complimentary football. Like Bill talks about, like people in the chat, why are they talking talking so much about a punt return? That's a major play in the game Absolutely. because of how it flipped the field and it changed the game script. Right, because if you are if you go, let's just say you just go normal return there, they're kicking at the ball out of their own end zone. You're thinking that at the worst, you're probably going to get it at like your own 40. You should be, you should be around the 50 at the very right. least. Like, so, like he's, that, a, he's a good punter. I'm blanking on the, on the last name, Sanchez. Sanchez yeah. is a good punter. Like he's going to get one off, but you so, should be around midfield. So, but you're talking about a, 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 a close to – you know, a short field, a shorter field. You're talking about you handle it like a normal return. I think you're probably talking about a 20 to 25 yard swing. You're talking right. about 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 a quarter of the field. And when which you're is, dealing with this offense, it's a that's a big deal. All right. Well, I digress on the special teams. I just I I, I can't. I know we're spending a lot of time on it, and I get that. But it, it's part of the show, and it's part of the game. And I think the bigger thing that that I I wanted to hammer home uh, with it is just it's such an indictment on the whole program. This is this is the whole program, right? Like Larry Izzo, Matthew Slater. Like this is what it was all about. Tough teams cover kicks. The T-shirt that goes around the cocktail locker room all the time. This is what this team is about. This is what this team is has been about for 25 years. And this these things start to unravel. Then what's left? What's left? If they can't cover kicks anymore, and they can't control the game, and they can't control that phase of the game, then what's left? Last down, pass protection across the board. Pass protection across the board in the first half was absolutely atrocious. Probably as bad as it's been all year. Uh, it officially ended with a 44% pressure rate on Mac Jones. I think that that's being a little bit generous to the protection. So uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read out, Alex, uh, the, the pressures allowed by each player. Here, one second. Okay. Of course, I, I pulled it up, and then my phone crapped out. Pressures allowed by each player on the offensive line, because each player on the offensive line was responsible for at least two pressures in this game. So, Connor McDermott, I had down for three. Cole Strange, I had down for six. David Andrews, I had down for two. City So, I had down for five. Michael Onwenu, I had down for two. They had five sacks in the first half. Really, none of them were super competitive. I think there was one play where you maybe thought that Mac could have gotten the ball out, but in general, none of it was really that competitive. They were at, this was as bad as they've been. Like, put this up right there with the Dallas and New Orleans game in pass protection. It was that bad. And when you look at this Colts front, outside of DeForest Buckner, it's not really that great of a front. Like, and DeForest Buckner is a great player. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but they came into this game like middle of the pack in pressure rate. Like this isn't like one of those teams like the Eagles that are just have like six guys that can come after you in waves. Uh, this is a pretty modest pass rush. They don't blitz very much either under Gus Bradley. Uh, this was a atrocious, atrocious pass blocking game. And uh, I give the Colts some credit. Uh, they they knew that Adrian Clem wasn't there. And I think that they came after the Patriots early on in this game with some schemed rushes. I, I mentioned, you know, a gap pressure, uh, some stunts, some different blitzes, you know, five man rushes, if you want to call those blitzes. Uh, so they did some things to spice it up a little bit. Uh, but just in general, 
uh, the pass protection has to be a lot better than this, a lot better. And I give City so a, a little bit of a break because this was his uh, since week one. He's been pretty solid in pass protection. This was a down game for him in that regard. Uh, this is a week to week occurrence with Cole Strange. We're at the point now with Cole Strange uh, that you really need to start to question whether or not he can pass protect it on an NFL level. And he was good in the run blocking game this game. I know PFF gave him pretty high marks in the run game. But in the league now, in 2023, if you can't pass protect, you can't play offensive line. Like that, It doesn't matter how good of a run blocker you are. It's a passing league, and you have to be able to pass protect. DeForest Buckner took his lunch money for two years in a row. Uh, it's the same thing every single week with Cole Strange. Uh, he can't pass protect in the league right now. Yeah, it's um, it's it hasn't been good. Yeah. It, it hasn't been good across the board. It wasn't good across the board. Uh, they're going to have to figure something out at left tackle if Trent Brown's out. I wonder if that's why Riley Reef's back at practice because he's probably their best left tackle if Trent Brown's Yeesh. not an option. Connor McDermott, I'll he's give. He's not a left tackle. He's a, he's not a left tackle. He's not. And I'll, I'll give Connor McDermott this. I think this is where it comes down to. Some people probably have higher pressure rates. That the pressure rate that I took was from next gen. PFF had it about forty one percent. Some people are going to have it at different levels. I, I think with Connor McDermott, it, it really depends on how you view Connor McDermott. Yeah. Because he gets beat around his edge quite a bit, but sometimes it's just enough that Mac is is up in the pocket enough that it's not it's a, probably a lost block, well, but it might not necessarily be a When hurt. you have a quarterback that's as you know uncomfortable in the pocket right now as Mac Jones, I don't know that you can afford that. So Yeah, so I had him with three this week. I had him with, uh, I think, three or four last week, and I know Bedard had him with, like, seven, right? So it yeah. all depends on how you grade the hurries. That's Yeah. But um, it, it hasn't been pretty. But my point with Connor McDermott, he has at least made the, the pass rusher more times than not go the long way home. Like, he's yeah. at least making him run the arc and getting into him to about eight or nine yards and at least giving them a speed bump on the way to Mac Jones. Uh, but the interior pressure in this game was relentless. Yeah, yeah, it was. Um, my my last down, uh, the defensive coaching staff, and it's one thing, and it's a thing that bugs me, and I text you about this during the game, Evan, and people know I, I think Miles Bryant gets too much heat. Yeah. I think Miles Bryant is a good player if you ask him to do the right things. The interception's a great example. They put him in the back of the defense, yep. read and react. That's what he's great at. Read and react, go make a play on the football. What do I always say is the thing Miles Bryant should not do? Cover fast receivers. They went halfway around the world to put Miles Bryant on Isaiah McKenzie again. I mean, and look, he didn't have a they, – they switched out of it pretty quick, but – In this case, so – It was just like – I just don't know what else you do because you're not – J.C. Jackson's not there. Right. Jack Jones isn't playing. So, Sean Wade and, and Jonathan Jones are your two primary corners on the outside. So, I guess you could have moved Jonathan Jones inside, but then you're, now you're playing Miles Bryant I on guess, the outside. Or, like, where, who, well, where I, is I, he going? Jalen Mills, like – Jalen Mills is playing less than 30% of their snaps. He's been bad, too. Okay, but who hasn't? Yeah. Right? Or I, Alex Austin. I don't know. Try something different. Like, yeah, I, I know you. for a fact that doesn't work. We all I know for you. a fact that doesn't work. And they switched out of it later in the game. And just They went zone heavy, which kind of made sense. Yeah. That's what I would have done. Gone zone heavy. By the way, I found those percentages for the penalties. Okay. It's special teams is actually not their most penalized unit Classic. by percentage. So, defense is the least. 3, 3% flat. 3% of their defensive players result in a penalty. I don't know what the league, I don't have the full league numbers, but that feels about right. Uh, special teams is 4.5% of your special teams players are ending in a penalty right now. This is per uh, pro football reference. I use their snap counts. 
Offense is 4.8%. All right. So it's, it almost is. The fact that it, 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 it is up there yeah. is, is all we need to know. All right. Let's get to the phones and uh, the emails here. Uh, Mauricio is in Mexico. What's up, Mauricio? Hey, guys. Big hey. fan of the show. Thank you. For over three years now. I have two questions. The first one being that Alex mentioned yesterday in his podcast that he would take out instead of Marvin Harrison Jr. Um, you would. Saying that he has Joe Thomas type of talent. And I wanted to see your thoughts Evan, on this take from Alex. And the next question is if you think that Christian Gonzalez will be able to come back and be his former self after the injury or, or if there's going to be a, a slight decrease on his performance. Thank you. Thanks, Marcia. Thanks for listening. We appreciate it. All right. All right. Let, all right. let me get, clarify that take. Get, clear, oh, go ahead. Yeah. You, you hate the shiny new toys. That's no. what it is. If it's this coaching staff back, yes. do you put it past them to mess up even Marvin Harrison Jr.? That's a fair take. I guess. That's what the take was, basically. I guess that's That fair. and then they have better chance of Joe Alt being a Hall of Fame tackle than Marvin Harrison being a Hall of Fame right. receiver. For the it was that. I, I kind of agree with and that. And then I was basically also, I, I think it got twisted. I was basically just saying the drop from Joe Alt to the day two tackles yeah. is more extreme than the drop from Marvin Harrison to the day two receivers. Okay, I don't know if I agree with that part because I think Marvin Harrison is literally the freakiest freak I've ever seen. There's a lot of good receivers in this draft, Evan. There might be, but I have not seen... Uh, somebody that with that kind of body control with that kind of size All right. that it, it's it's like Calvin Johnson level stuff like he so he can the way he gets in and out of breaks at what like six three six four is just absurd I mean he looks like you know, he ran that route last week out of the slot that little slant that he caught for a touchdown it looks like he's a slot receiver but he's like six no he's he's excellent it, it, but look look I, I've heard some offensive line people compare Joe Walt to Joe Thomas who is he's bigger than Joe Thomas though. he's I mean Calvin Johnson and Joe Thomas you're talking about probably the two best yeah. players at their position in their era um it was more about that take was more about the guys that come next like there's really very little tackle depth in this class very little yeah you miss in the, the free agent classes and the free good. agent class is bad so yeah. it's kind of is Marvin Harrison and this is something that I don't totally have the answer to yet yeah. Is Marvin Harrison good enough that you're will let's say and, and, and this is going with what we think is true right now. They're not gonna right. bring back Trent Brown, they're not gonna resign Mike Onwenu. Is Marvin Harrison good enough that you're willing to go forward with whatever that tackle group would look like? I think that's fair. Um I think that if you're a Patriots fan, and if the way I look at it is that we have to be realistic about the fact that this is probably not going to all get done in one offseason. And that's that was kind of my point, is I think you can take Marvin Harrison, yeah, and there is an argument to take him. You have to understand it is going to be really ugly, and what I worry about is, well, I guess they're not taking a young quarterback in that situation. Well, they might be in the second round. But at that point, I'm saying the guy you take in the second round, do not play him. Do not yeah. play him as a rookie. Do not subject him to whatever that offensive that, line would fair. be. That's fair. I think the worry that you have with Marvin Harrison is, is kind of he's better player than Garrett Wilson. Yeah. But, like, Garrett Wilson with Zach Wilson is like a waste, right? right. Like, Garrett, well, poor guy, is, like, wide open all, the entire game, and Zach Wilson can't get him the ball. And I think that's what you worry about if 
you take Marvin Harrison, you have no pass protection, and let's say it's Mac Jones is back at quarterback, is that Marvin Harrison, I can pull up the all-22 and show you, you know, the 10 times a game yeah. Marvin Harrison gets open, but if they don't have somebody that can feed him the football, then what good is it, right? And that's always the argument. I, I think a lot of teams, Eagles, San Francisco, Detroit, some of these teams that have become kind of the darlings of the NFL – have definitely built inside out. They they've yeah, stuck I mean, to that. The Lions went Panay Sewell over Jamar Chase. Right. Um the the Dolphins added Teron Armstead before they added it was the same Tyree o- Kill. It was the same offseason with Tyree Kill and Teron Armstead. Okay. But in general, the a lot of those the, not the Dolphins I think are different because the Dolphins just went out and, and like threw money at the problem, which the Patriots could technically do too. Yeah. Uh but, but are those players available? Like right. Teron Armstead's not available this right. offseason. Uh the the teams that have done it like rebuilt in yeah. sort of the long-term way. I know the Eagles don't exactly fit this because they made the Super Bowl and won with Foles, but right. in general, it they ha- the Eagles have had a great offensive line this entire time. They built, you know, Lane Johnson, uh, Mylotta, Jason Kelsey, like those guys have been yeah. there for a minute, and they have a great offensive line. Detroit, like you mentioned, drafted Penny Sewell. Uh, they've had a great offensive line, and the, and the 49ers have a great offensive line. So – in some ways, you can make that argument that the line should come first, right? And the teams that are are that have done well have have done that. But there's also the flip side, and that's the Bengals. And the Bengals right. drafted Jamar Chase, and they they neglected well, the line but for a little bit. They already had Joe Burrow, and and yeah. that's ultimately what this comes down to. I would take a quarterback over if Drake May's there. I'm taking Drake May over either. Correct. I so, am with you on that. Yeah, that's it, it. Was just like everybody's acting like, and I get it. He's the consensus one one. I do understand that. Yeah. There should be a debate about yeah. Marvin Harrison versus Joe Alt. And maybe the debate comes up Marvin Harrison. Very yeah. good chance it does. But once we get more into this thing and we've studied more of the depth players on, on both at both positions, it, it is a conversation. I, I, I don't think it's something to blow off. I think it's a conversation so, worth having. So let me ask you this and then we, yeah. I don't want you know, we're gonna have plenty of time to to deliberate this. Let's say they bring back basically the same line that they have now, just assuming that Trent Brown is at left tackle instead okay. of Connor McDermott. But it's on Wenu so at right tackle, yeah. Sal, Andrew, Strange, Trent Brown. You still taking Joe Alt? No, no, no. I, I see. I, I don't think there's a chance Trent Brown's coming back okay. personally. Um, and I'm operating that. No, if you have this line again, so basically Trent Brown's going to be the bridge tackle for like the fourth year in a row is what you're telling <laughs> yeah, me. Yeah, the, the bridge that never the ends. The longest bridge, right, the bridge yeah. to Noah. Yeah. If, if Trent Brown and Michael Nguyen were back, yeah, sprint up with the card for Marvin Harrison. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. I just don't think that's happening. Okay, cool. All right, uh, Todd is in North Carolina. What's up, Todd? You know, guys, I think that we might need some other areas, not just receiver and that, like you said, the O-line, but – our running backs are not very young, and I think Mr. Perillo is the one that says, you know, once you get a, once you've had a, a running back for four years, five years, that that wear is pretty much gonna start showing in heavily. So I love our current guys. In fact, I've been very impressed with Zeke. But I think we also need a running back. There's just so many things that we need. I find it hard to try to encapsulate everything. Yeah. Uh, thanks for the call, Todd. Uh, running backs, you can do on your own time. No offense, Todd. Forgive me for this. No, I'm doing it on your time right now. Forgive me for this. They need two running backs. They need the next guy for Ramondre because they're not going to pay him. You can take him in the sixth round. And they need a pass catching back. They can, but I'm going to tell you this. Don't don't go to that next call or you're going to listen to this. No. They are going to love Blake Corum. 
I knew you were going to say that. They are going. If they take a running back in the top 100, I I will literally riot. Don't rule I, it out. I will riot. They, well, we don't know who's going to be making the pick. I get, we don't know who's going to be making the pick. They need, they need two things out of running back, okay? Both of them can be had on day three. They need... Uh, they need a, a third down back. And they can get that on day three. And they might even be able to get it in free agency, right? Like, I, I don't know. I haven't looked at the free agency. Yeah, I've wanted them back. to sign Jarek McKinnon for a while. Though. Whether it's 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 Jet McKinnon or somebody like that, yeah. they might be able to fill that spot in free agency. Michael Carter. And, and then you you missed on Pierre Strong and Kevin Harris. Yeah. Take another swing on one of those types well, of guys. Well, Ramondre is going to be entering a contract here. You need the next guy for Ramondre. So – Maybe that's we, we have so much evidence, and I don't mean to do like go on this whole yeah. rant about the running backs thing, but we have so much evidence that you can just they're a dime a dozen, just turn them out. They took it, they took Ramondre in the fourth round. Would you be okay with that? Yeah. All right. So that's Donovan Edwards, Audric Estime, I, and, and I'd like those I guys. Said, I said top one hundred. No, I don't. Not a single running back pick in the top one hundred. They are going, assuming it's this group making the pick. They are, you can like it. You cannot like it. I won't like it. He runs the ball. He catches the ball. He blocks. He's a cool. team captain. Michigan. The they love them. They've had Some a top Blake 10 Corum. running back in the league two years in a row, and where has it gotten them? I'm not I'm not disagreeing with any of that, but you're going to have to watch him. We're going to have to talk about him. No, we don't. Because, yes, we do, because we have to talk about the guys they might take. He is very much a guy they might draft, Evan. Uh the fact you're so annoyed, you know I'm right. I know you're right, but it's bad business. It's bad business. What do you like? What do you want me to tell you? So like, it's bad. It's we, and bad we, we business. talk about all the picks they made that were bad business. Why is Blake Corm any different? It's not any different. But the point is, who is was just, the guy last year that uh, I just drove you up a wall about? But we had to talk about him. Who was it? Probably Bijan Robinson. No, it was oh uh, no, uh, Jameer Gibbs. Jameer oh, Gibbs in the first God. round, which happened, oh. by the way. Which, which, which happened. happened, by the way. And look at what the Lions have done with him. He's Jack been nasty. Squad. He's been nasty the last few weeks. What are yeah, you talking la- about? Yeah, last couple weeks. They got him going now. They got uh, Yes, they it took got them to one. They got, got him going. They He's got been, him going. He, he won them single-handedly. That pro- Who was it? The, the Bears or whoever they the played the other week. The difference, though, is that the Lions have less holes. The line, that, and that's fair. And again, I'm not defending the pick. But there is a real chance that if it's the same group— they're going to like Blake I hate Corum. it, and I hate this part about you. It, Get over it. it I, Running backs you, you don't matter. That I wanted, you hate that I wanted Running to do our job. Matter. It is they our don't job. move the needle. It is our job There's to talk about— one running back in the league that matters, and it's Christian McCaffrey, and he's not on your team. Bijan Get over it. Bijan might matter. Bijan might Bijan matter. Bijan doesn't matter. He do, what he has it done ma- to the Falcons? Nothing, because they, they don't give Bijan, him the ball. And where are they? If they gave him the ball, he doesn't matter because they don't use him. Or he doesn't matter because they don't use him. If, what do you mean? If it it's a guy the, the Patriots might take, we have to talk about him. That's I don't just what our job is. I don't. So I'm not you are going to have that, to watch Blake you, Corum. I'm going to tell you in March that I want to throw up every single time you bring up Blake Corum because it makes no sense in the world for this team to be drafting running backs. What makes sense for this? Did team, it make sense for them to draft Cole Strange? But that's different. That's different. How? It's different because that one. That one we didn't even consider no, because uh, it was so stupid. We did consider it. I said it to you that year, and we had this exact same conversation. You just came very close, by the way, to admitting the Cole Strange pick was good. I I, I had you. Uh, I, I had you there. I, I admit that we did talk about guards, and it was about the kid from BC who I'm banking on. His Zion name, Johnson. Zion Johnson. We had the exact, who is freaking good we had, and would have been better than Cole Strange. We had the exact same conversation two years ago about guards. We had it last uh, year about Jameer Gibbs. There is a chance they are going my, to do this, so we have to talk about about it okay all right i, I that's, just, that's what the people tune in for is that so I, I, you got to give the people what they want it just 
it it is ridiculous ridiculous at this team what they should do at running back is obviously Ramondre's under contract he's coming back i would resign zeke i would i think i I, I think that's a real conversation i think that's a good point i think he's actually you know we're around him a decent amount he's been a pretty good guy in the locker room i think too Uh, i would resign zeke uh, to be back up to Ramondre, I would find a third down running back, and I would throw a seventh round pick at a at a bell cow. I'd go fourth or fifth. I'd go fourth or fifth. Uh, on on Zeke though, because Isaiah Pacheco was a first round pick. I on I, I wanted Pacheco. That was my guy. <laughs> on Zeke, yeah, he might have a market. I don't know. You're getting him back yeah. for nothing. He, I think, might get some interest. So that's fair. I even if you want to resign, there's going to be other teams I think that want to sign him. I don't think the slam dunk he comes back. All right, Rashad is in Baltimore. What's up, Rashad? Uh-oh, we got line hey we got hey. line three syndrome. What's up, Rashad? All right. Um, so you guys were talking about earlier, like uh, like core, like core players. So I, but I was thinking earlier, like who do we have as playmakers? The first guy I already thought of is is Demario. I mean, he he he's a, I mean, like like he's what we thought Tyquan maybe could have been, but like I don't even think I don't even think Tyquan can get anywhere near uh. Douglas, like the way he plays, and then you got Mondre. Mondre, I like he makes plays. Like I would keep him. I, I and I'm I'm with Evan. I don't think we should be think about running back. I think we I think we solid with running back. But I think that's it for offense. Like who else? Who else? Who else makes plays on offense? Like nobody. So then I go to defense. Gonzo, he's gone, but I think we can all say he's probably gonna be a playmaker. I mean, then after that, Baltimore been looking good, but like a defensive tackle, like he's not gonna be an Aaron Donald. So I mean, then after that, it's like, who else do we have? Like, I can't think of. I guess I, I, I mean the corners. I mean, I heard somebody talking about Miles Bryant the other day, but Miles Bryant, no, I'm not. I'm not sold on Miles Bryant. So I just feel like it's got to be a total like rehaul of the talent. Like it has to be. I mean, with the coaches, we know that, but like with the talent, it needs to be a total overhaul of talent. So, I mean, can you think of any any more playmakers that we have? Yeah, thanks for the call, Rashad. I I, I think we both agree with you uh, in that this team is deprived of star power, playmakers, game changing talent, like whatever you want to call it. Uh, the one other the name, and I, I've been, you know, I, I wrote something. Uh, you, you're gonna love it. It's, yeah. it's all next gen stats. Uh, you, you, the math, it's all over the oh, place boy. in there. You, you should read it. You're really gonna enjoy that. Uh, the, Is that your revenge for that whole play quorum thing? A hundred percent. And I'm gonna make you read it just like you made me sit through that. Uh, can be sitting through a lot more. One right? of the, one of the bigger points that I, I wanted to uh, highlight was. Um, was how they've changed Kyle Duggar's role this season. We've talked about this on the show, yeah. uh, but I actually was able to like tangibly prove it with numbers. So this year, this is according to next gen Kyle Duggar is lining up on average seven and a half yards off the ball. Okay. Last year it was five and a half. That I have no problem with that number. That's a tangible number. So those two numbers that would, obviously Kyle Duggar is playing further back in the defense. Right. That, that's all it's saying. Did you break it down week to week? I haven't uh, because, but I looked at it and it was about steady. You know, I I, didn't, I feel I didn't like they've the been playing him less deep, more in the box the last couple of weeks. I, I think that maybe there's some truth to that, but the numbers didn't necessarily Hold bear on. it out. Like the it was a difference of like a couple percentage points, uh, in like 
tenths of percentage points. Not, okay. uh, but the point is, is that I think Kyle Duggar is a playmaker. I think we pr- he proved that last year. But in order for him to be a playmaker, they have to put him back in his natural position. Right. So they're going to add, you know, as I was doing this and as I was writing this yesterday, I I added another spot to the list of needs, and that's free safety, uh, which if they can get a true center fielder to play in the middle of the field again, like a la Devin McCourty, yeah. then they can move Kyle Duggar back to the line of scrimmage, and I think that gives you another playmaker on defense. Or – I mean, they just have Jabril Peppers play there, and they use they just let Kyle Duggar go. I I, did, I think in ideally, they love to play a lot of three safety. Yeah. Oh, you can have both of them. I would I would like to have both of those guys close to the line of scrimmage. So, uh, real quick here. Yes. Uh, Kyle Duggar's uh, uh, free safety, according to PFF, his free safety snaps uh, by game: 21, 25, 22, 18, 20. 32, 23, 21, 17, 19. So it had declined. His free safety snaps had declined four weeks in a row until last week. They went up two, but it's still under 20. Last two are the only two weeks he's been under 20. Box safety snaps, 23, 15, 24, 34, 26, 24, 25, 38, 40, 28. So he we, says I hate math. He hates math. I No, I don't like the hypothetical. Whatever. <laughs> His box – they started playing him more in the box the last two weeks, and then it, it switched again last week. Right, where he was so playing more free safety. He's lining up farther away from the line of scrimmage. That that was it was a cool stat that they were able to tangi- you know tangibly prove that free safety snaps this year thir- over thirty percent at free safety. Yeah, I think it's like thirty two percent. Two hundred eighteen. Last year it was only ten percent. Right, so he's clearly playing a different role, and I think that if you're the Patriots, he's already played more than double the free safety snaps this year than he did all of last year. Right. So if you're the Patriots, uh, it's easy. I think what the easy decision is you, I, I still think Kyle Duggar is a really good football player. I'm re-signing yeah. Kyle Duggar. I'm finding a real free safety and I'm moving Kyle Duggar back to his natural position. And I think he'll look like the guy he did in 2022. And that gives you another playmaker. So then you go into next year with sort of your building blocks on yeah. defense of, Barmore, Bentley, Duggar, Gonzalez. Yeah. I, I think you could do a lot worse than that. And pe- I'll put Peppers in there. In Peppers, yeah. sure. Peppers, maybe Keon White takes that next step too. I'm not ready to put him there, uh, but maybe he takes the next step. Maybe you do get one more year out of, out of Matthew Judon. So are you writing off Marte Mapu? I'm not writing him off. I, I, just, I guess I just don't know where his path is at this point because they won't play him at linebacker. Yeah, so, there's, there's – the, a lot of people are like, oh, you're so excited about him in camp. What happened? In camp, he was playing all these different positions. They're using yeah. him all over the place, and it's just not happening. Yeah, He's so, not playing the same role so now So maybe he he's camp. one of those guys that if they get a natural free safety, yeah. he plays more of like a slot box type of safety role and eventually takes over that spot for, I would think, Jabril Peppers yeah. uh, if you're going to re-sign Kyle Duggar long-term. All right, uh, let's get back to the phones. Uh, Patty is in Aguam. What's up, Patty? I don't know what we're yelling about. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So you guys kind of just went over a little bit what I was going to ask, but uh, is there a, I got a couple questions, but is there a world where um, they re-sign Kyle Duggar and they, the next regime, whoever comes in actually uses Marty Mapu as a linebacker. And um, Evan, I don't know if you'd be able to answer this because I don't know if you've looked at any of the, you know, any of the draft prospects yet. But um, 
Have either of you guys looked at Roman Wilson from Michigan? Wide receiver. Yeah. Uh, thanks for the call, Patty. And I, I wanted to bring this up, but not, not Roman Wilson. Uh, I texted you about Roman Wilson like the other day. Yeah. No, I, I've seen some highlights. Interesting player. Uh, I like him. I, I like him. I do. I think he's a good player. So we had a couple questions about this as well. And it's kind of about, you know, Gerard Mayo's future in all of this. Yeah. Uh, the emailer asked about him potentially moving to like head of football ops, which I, I'm not, I don't think that that's really what the plan is with Gerard Mayo. Uh, I, I think that for Mayo to pull the, uh, the, to, to pull like a super Brad Stevens, cause he's not even going from head coach to GM. He's going from assistant to GM. <laughs> right. Uh, I, I think that we're still, maybe that's in his future 10 years from now, if he wants to, if he's tired of coaching, uh, but I think at this point that that's not really where we're at. I am of the belief that regardless of who the head coach is and this, the emailer asks, you know, I, I thought Patty kind of about Marty Mapu. Cause I, I, I think that Gerard uh, would view things a little bit more uh, modern yeah. than, than Bill would. And I think that that is a potential part of that, like a tangible part of that could be Marty Mapu playing more at the second level of the defense. Uh, th- this um, you know emailer talks about you know the offensive minded head coach. Yeah, and the way I feel about it is that I still want them to hire the best guy and not pigeonhole themselves into offense, defense, whatever. But either way, I I look at it and I really feel strongly that I would like to keep the defensive system in place. Yeah, and I think the teams that successfully turn it over for the most part successfully do it by keeping at least one side of the ball consistent. I I would like whether he's the head coach or he's the defensive coordinator, I would keep Gerard around to yeah. run the defense. Either way. Yeah. Oh, 100% agree. I I we were talking about this yesterday. They they have a good like the defense isn't necessarily bad because of a lack of talent. Or like right now there's injuries. Yeah. This defense looks a lot different if you have Christian Gonzalez and you have yeah. Matthew Judon. I mean, they're and, still – there's 13th in DVOA right yeah, now. Yeah, like they're, they're still good. They're, and they're 12th in weighted DVOA. So that that puts more emphasis on games that have happened recently. Yeah. So it's not – it kind of takes the first month of the season out when they had everybody. Right. So they're still a middle-of-the-pack defense at worst, and that's without and, two of their best right. players. Right, and pretty much everybody's back. It's just – Duggar's the only guy that yeah. – you know, the only big-time play. Look, they're going to need another corner because Jack Jones is gone now, but – yeah. Like, the defense doesn't need that much work. The defense, you can get back to a top-10 unit, I think, in in one offseason, even still needing to address everything you need to address on offense. Yeah, I agree. I, it's, You need a free safety. You need, like, a third boundary corner, like a Jason McCourty kind of guy. Maybe it's Sean Wade. Maybe it is. And then you need another pass. You need to replace Josh Uche. You need yeah. another, like, you, but you don't need, like, an elite. You just need a secondary guy. And maybe that's Keon White. Yeah. So. If we assume that Judon is going to be back. And is going to be Judon. Yeah. Which, it's a peck I, injury. It's a peck I, injury. Yeah. I think he'll be okay. So then, then, yeah. I think that they definitely need to find a way. They're right now in, in great. You you're, lose. you're making moves on the margins. You're not. Yes. Safety is yeah. the only position I would use a premium asset. And that doesn't mean first round pick, but like yeah. top 100 pick nope. or one of your highest paid players nope. in free agency. Nope. Let's no, see. They no go. top 100 picks on defense. If it's a Done. safety, I would. If it like a third round there's safety, so, I can do. Like, there's so many. You know, for example, I, I think he moved the last offseason. Juan Thornhill. 
Yeah. Like, right. you know, uh, Jesse Bates, I know he got paid a lot. Well, Jesse but, like, Bates would be a premium asset. You're paying, like, that's what a premium okay, asset is. Okay, but I would be okay with paying one of those guys. Okay. I All would right. not be okay with using a draft. All right, fair enough. Because if you're if you know that you're getting like a, a Jesse Pates level player, then it, then that's that's a good well. Thing. I want them I want them to add a veteran free safety to begin with because it's a very cerebral role. I'd like yeah. a guy that's seen a lot of football. So I, I wouldn't necessarily I, I might draft a guy there later as like a project, but no, I want to I I'd call and I know he hasn't played a ton in Buffalo, but I don't think Buffalo's making a ton of good decisions right now. Yeah, I'd call Taylor Rapp again. He's gonna be a free agent. They met with him last year. You might be able to get Micah Hyde or Jordan Poyer. All right, point. well I would do that. Well, those guys are the watch. Real quick on Roman Wilson. Yeah, uh, I just. I, I pulled up his scouting report from Pro Football Network just to get his height and weight, but I just want to read you the first line, Evan. Oh, boy. Elite athleticism that separates play to play. But, like, elite athleticism in what sense? He's just a really well-rounded athlete. Because, like, like, he was a track and field star, like because, that kind of guy. Okay, but, like, DK Metcalf is an elite, that elite athlete. But DK Metcalf plays receiver – a lot differently than Tyree Kill. So See he's so like, he's Roman Wilson six foot one ninety two. Okay, I don't think he's Tyree Kill. All right, so here they they have his he they did like he did the combine test coming out of high school. Yeah, four three seven forty thirty seven inch vertical four oh nine shuttle. But I'm not as concerned about the. I mean, yeah. what I mean is like how does he win? Like what what is his playing style and how does he? Oh, win? he separates. No, he's like a really high level route runner. Okay, all right. I I, I worry about guys. Like it's, it's, I worry about guys from those offenses. Uh, like Michigan, and that's fair because no, they, don't run the, they don't throw the ball a lot, right? And and they, they he's playing on an all. He's team. he's flexible, like he's flexible. He's got good balance, like that. Who was um? Why am I blanking on the the seventh round receiver that came out of Michigan last year? Oh yeah, yeah, I know. Do you remember? Yeah. yeah, yeah. He's like a better version of. It's like the same. He's the same kind of player. He's much better. Okay. All right. All right. I'll I'll allow it. You're going to like him. When you watch him, you're going to like him. I know it's not going to be for a couple months, unfortunately. You you know that I'm only going to like Marvin Harrison Jr. Like, it's going to be very... It's going to be very annoying that you're not going to... If you like him more than Drake May, we're going to have a problem. I I will say this. I I do really like the kid from Texas, Worthy. Worthy? I like Worthy. How about the other kid, A.D. Mitchell? Uh, I haven't watched him as much, but Worthy reminds me like a little bit of Zay Flowers, and you know how much Yeah, no, that's it. He's bigger than Zay Flowers. Ronnie Bell is the guy from Michigan. Yeah, Ronnie Bell. I think he's bigger than he's Zay Flowers. He's not that much bigger than Zay Flowers. I think he is. Zay, Zay was like Demario Douglas size, like 5'8", 180. Um, I like I like Worthy too. Uh six one, one seventy two. Yeah, so much so he's taller, but he's not I mean he's a he's a there's stick. a big difference between five eight and six one. But trust, one, me. 170, trust me, there's yes, a big difference. But, but one seventy two is one seventy two. He's a he, he's got he's even thinner. He's even more of a rail. I know, but like he's the height matters. The No, that's fair. That's fair. That's fair. All right, Tim is in Providence. What's up, Tim? Hey. How you doing? Good. So I think my my sort of confirmation that I didn't want Bill back in New England was the trade deadline. And I know I brought this up, but he just I don't I don't see him paying Kyle Gunter eleven million a year. I just don't see him doing it. So why keep him? If if you can get draft capital, like he's a good player, but but their safety is not the most important position on the field. So I don't know. So thanks like for the, that kind of mentality. No, 
I, I get it, Tim. Your 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 line is breaking up a little bit, so I, I'm just going to fill in the blanks here. Uh, so the, the trade deadline and the fact that they didn't sell at the trade deadline and uh, they had some assets like Kyle Duggar, like Josh Uche, that I understand Tim's point that they if they're not going to pay these guys, why didn't they trade them? I think the obvious answer to that is maybe they are planning on paying those guys, right? Like that would be the shortest answer. Yeah. But – and this is just a theory. This is just me talking. I dove. Don't, don't come for me here. He got current yesterday. I think that there's a chance that they didn't want Bill making any decisions to the point where we don't want you making a trade like that because you're determining the return. You're determining how it goes down, right? Like, I think there's a chance that they just said, play it out. Just play out the rest of the season and we'll allow Macro or whoever the next general manager is of the Patriots make the decision of whether or not to re-sign a guy like Kyle Duggar. I, if you look at the books for 2024, it's empty, right? The, the cupboard yeah, is bare. It's like 46 players, I think. They, they, I really think that they didn't want to touch next year. I, on re-signing, yes. And I said this at the deadline. I, I said. If they bring back a couple of these guys, I'm okay with. If they bring back Onwenu and Duggar, yeah, obviously I'm okay with them not trading them because they should have re-signed those guys all along. Yeah, I am with them on the point of Josh Uche though. Josh Uche should have been dealt, and that's an indictment on Bill. That's a guy they're not going to re-sign. That's a guy I think they know they're not going to re-sign. Not according to Josh Uche. Well, th- now they're talking to him. I, I yeah. wonder why he's playing poorly. Yeah. Because now all of a sudden his prices calm da- come down. That's fair. I um, that's a guy that should have been moved. I don't necessarily disagree with that. I just wonder if they just said, don't do anything. Like, we don't, we just don't want you dabbling in anything. Because, frankly, like, do you trust – do you trust it? Like, do you trust them to get the best return for Josh Uche? Any return is better than him leaving at the end of the year. That's not true. Yeah, it is. No, yeah, it is. What, what, what is – what are they keeping him for? What are they keeping him for the rest of the year for? They're not going to get a comp pick. They shouldn't. They, they Well, I guess they could. They shouldn't because they should be signing people this offseason. Right, but if you trade him, then – you know, there's no like he's not coming back next year, and if you, I don't think he's coming back anyway. Well, maybe the next regime feels differently. Maybe. All right, I guess. The point is, is I think that they didn't want people to make decisions on. I I, I get what you're saying. We don't know unless we're in the room. I yeah. guess is, is is your point. I I would have just said I don't think that's. You can go get. I, I don't think Josh Uche is a guy that's irreplaceable. If you trade him, you can go get a player that does that. I I agree. With that. And you're gonna have to pay that player one way or the other. It's not like he was under contract long term, and you're getting rid of him. I agree with that. All right, uh, Will is in Florida. What's up, Will? Hey guys, was wondering if um, maybe one of you uh, guys know something that I don't, because every time I hear you guys talk about the draft or or players or or anything, you always talk about this new regime as if you know that Bill Belichick isn't going to be there. Like, has that been set in stone? Because I think Bill Belichick is going to be our coach. And I'll go as far as to say I want Bill Belichick to stay. Okay. Um, I, I was listening to a, to, to a caller yesterday, and, and you just kind of blew him off, saying Bill had nothing to do with, with our 20-year run. Oh, uh, okay. Well, that that we, we were kidding around about that, Will. Oh, okay. Uh, uh, but – but, no, no, I, I just, I'm curious. Like, what, what, what's your case for Bill sticking around? Like, I, I, I'm my, curious. My, my case is plain and simple. It, it's a simple. It's crystal clear. Give Bill a quarterback, and our run continues. I have been standing on this corner screaming, "Max up!" and 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 no one's heard me. You're finally coming around. I'm I'm glad because you were on the it's everything but Max Street 
for a while. So I'm glad that you finally come around. But give Bill a quarterback, and we move right along. This train keeps going. Everything starts and stops with the quarterback. Who's giving Bill the quarterback? Bill is giving himself the quarterback. Do you trust him to do that? Mac Mac Jones has seen – let me calm down. Mac (laughs) Jones has single-handedly took apart everything we've built for the last 20 years. Who drafted Mac Jones? But hear me out. I don't believe, and I'm being being honest when I say this, I don't believe Mac Jones was a Bill Belichick fit. I think Bill Belichick is smart enough to know that Mac Jones was not a good quarterback. Okay, so then who then who drafted Mac Jones? Okay, why did Robert Kraft feel like he had to step in? Because Bill wasn't going to take Mac Jones. Well, no. T- all right, we'll take it a little further. Why? Why were they? Why did Kraft need to step in and, and feel like he had to do that? Because Bill let the quarterback position get to a point where they had to take a guy. Because Bill mis- was, Bill's I mean, mismanaged okay. the position going back to like 2019. Mismanaged the position. Yeah, they, they knew Brady was going, and they didn't bring in the next guy. He had Tom, he had, he had Tom Brady. Yep. He was forced to let Tom Brady go by Robert Kraft because Robert Kraft didn't want to pay him, in my humble opinion, and the opinion of a lot of other Patriots fans. I believe that Bill Belichick wanted to keep Tom Brady. I think it's been reported the other way. Evan, maybe I'll misremember. I'll honest question. Okay. No, but. I, I appreciate the call, Will, and I, I, I hear what you're saying with Bill because, um, first of all, and thanks for the call again, we, we yesterday were were messing around with people because yeah. we, we think this is a straw man thing, right? Where everybody is now of the belief that Bill did nothing like that, and and, and I don't think anybody's actually saying that, right? That's the straw man, right? Like, right. I don't think anybody is actually saying you're saying did nothing th- over the last twenty years. Yeah, that yeah. Bill was not had no hand in this. Now maybe we are now seeing and i think this is actually will's point because he said it's all about the quarterback we are now seeing that tom was probably more responsible for their success than bill but that doesn't that doesn't mean that bill had no hand in it that just means that okay if you're handing out the credit you know brady maybe gets 60 percent and bill gets 40 or however you want to splice it up i don't care so that's all the point that we actually agree with the caller that Bill had a lot of hand in it. It was obviously, yeah. obviously, duh, right? I think the the thing with with Mac, and I, I I agree again with Will that a lot of Patriots fans feel the way that Will does that Mac just stinks, right? That Mac was bad. Oh, to begin I, I, with. I get that a lot of players feel was, that way. He was a bad prospect to begin with, and uh, and he was just never going to be good in the NFL. And I I think that there's maybe an ounce of truth to that that he was a limited prospect coming out i thought that at the time yeah. that there was a you know he was a limited prospect at the time but the the problem is is how the situation was handled it was handled poorly on multiple levels and we broke this down in the first 30 minutes in terms of the personnel we've 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 been over that we've you know asked yeah. and answered on that a million times the personnel is what it is the coaching and then the mind games that Belichick has played with him from the jump. If you knew that you had, let's just say you knew that you had at best a league average quarterback. Yeah. Like even with all of the pieces together and all of the, the coaching staff together, you had at best the 16th best quarterback in the NFL. Wouldn't you be doing everything under your power to elevate that player? Like if right. you knew that he's not going to be the one elevating it, 
then why wouldn't every single move that you are making on offense be catered to making that guy better? You know, a la the San Francisco 49ers where they're, they look at Brock Purdy and they know that Brock Purdy is not Aaron Rodgers, He's not Tom Brady. He's not Patrick Mahomes. So instead we're going to trade for Christian McCaffrey. We're going to keep Debo Samuel and George Kittle. And we're just going to keep on adding talent on the offensive side of the ball. Brandon Ayuk, right? Like these types of guys, the Patriots, if you believe that bill didn't make the pick for Mac, right? then you believe that Bill thought that Mac stunk to begin with. Right. And Bill's response to thinking Mac stuck to begin with was Nelson Aguilar. Or it was Juju Smith-Schuster. Right. It was Mike Kosicki. Like, how, how, does that, how does that jive? Because if you thought Mac stinks, then wouldn't the moves be a little bit bigger swings? Right. Because if you – to me, the way that they operated was the total opposite. They operated like they thought that they had a franchise quarterback that was going to take – these receivers and make them look good. Instead, right. it's done the total. Opposite. And if you're going to say, "All right, well, Bill wanted to prove a point to Robert Kraft, and that's why he did that." Well, if that's where his focus Ran himself is, out of town. Great. If that's where his focus is, then his focus isn't in the right place. Right. And I don't think he he's the guy for the job. Again, and I didn't mean to be like like snarky with the caller. I, yeah. I, I appreciate the call. They're fair points. I've kind of been waiting for somebody to ask me that question because again, that's what it comes back to. Is comes as a defense. It, it, people interpret this as a defense of Mac Jones. It's not. Mac Jones, the problem doesn't end at Mac Jones. People act like Mac Jones was placed in New England by some supernatural power that, and nobody here could do anything about it, and they were just saddled with him. Bill Belichick picked him. Yeah. And you can say Robert Kraft stepped in all you want. Why did Robert Kraft have to do that? Because they Bill Belichick failed to get the next guy before Tom Brady left. And it, it's not to say he didn't try. He tried. Stidham yeah. wasn't the guy. Danny Etling wasn't the guy. Oh, no. Danny Etling was not trying. Uh, but just the quarterbacks he's drafted, right? Yeah. Jacoby Brissett, like a journeyman bridge starter, but he wasn't a franchise quarterback. Right, and I know people and I, dis- and I, and I, I'm not. No, you got to let me get to the next one. You got to let me get okay. to the next one. I know people disagree with this. Jimmy Garoppolo, right. not the guy. So it's not like he swung once on Mac and it's, oh, give him another chance. You really, the last time Bill Belichick found a guy that was like a, a quarterback you could even somewhat build around, you got to go back to Matt Castle. Yeah, I, I, so the Will's response, and I'm I'm speaking for him. So yeah, I, but people like Will, I guess I should say, because I don't know Will's opinion on this. People like Will will point to will point to Jimmy G, right? Like they'll point to Garoppolo that Bill had the next guy, and and Brady, Brady outplayed it, right? Like Brady outlasted Jimmy Garoppolo here in New England, and the Patriots made at the time. You could talk about the return of the trade and all, all you want. But the Patriots made the only decision that they could possibly make, which was trading Jimmy Garoppolo. You're not keeping Jimmy Garoppolo over Tom Brady. You're just not doing that. So they made the only decision that they could. But at that point, they went all in. And I don't necessarily blame them, but they went all in and continuing to surround Brady. You know, they trade a first round pick for Brandon Cooks. Uh, they used first-round picks on tackles and running backs and wide receivers. Like, they went all in on keeping Brady in a title contender, like keeping this team title right. contending instead of looking at the quarterback and drafting the next guy. So their highest draft pick, I believe, was Stidham, who is still a fourth-round pick. Like, we're not talking about them, dra- like, doing Jimmy G redux and drafting somebody in the top, you know, 65 picks. So – I. I, I hear the caller because Bill's resume speaks for itself. Bill's going to – should be 
whether or not the media does a disservice or not. Bill's the first ballot Hall of Famer. Yeah. Bill's the greatest head coach yes. of all time. And to run Bill out of town because of Mac Jones, I understand why some people feel like, why are we doing that? Like, why why are we getting rid of the greatest head coach of all time because one quarterback didn't work out? And if you really don't like Mac, then you probably have some strong feelings about why. Right. But at the same time, I think you have to look at the whole product. Like, we went on a whole rant for, like, 15 minutes earlier in the show about special teams. That's Bill's M.O. Special teams is Bill's area, right? right. And they stink yeah. at special teams. Their offense has been a disaster for two years. So th- these are things that Bill has done that ha- that go beyond just Mac Jones. And, and you look at the draft history, too. Again, it, it, and I don't want this to come across as me. I, I hate the Brady versus Bill thing. I don't think there's one without the other. Yeah. I agree with you. Bill Belichick is the greatest coach of all time. Yep. He's the greatest defensive mind in the history of the game. He should not be a first ballot Hall of Famer. He should get his own special induction ceremony. I, him and Brady should go in together. It will never happen, but it should. Can, we, can can RKK go with them? Can we do like a like a trio? He should be in before that, but, but yeah, yeah, sure. Like, okay, let's just do Patriots. Okay, just to have a Patriots Hall of Fame induction. Oh, I'm all the for rest that. Of the NFL will totally go for that. I I yeah, seriously. Um, but sometimes you need a certain guy for a certain job. Yeah, Bill Belichick took and managed, and I just hang with me here. Yes, they were dominant for decades. It's not necessarily easy to manage that. Yeah. Because of this whole thing, Brady versus Bill versus this versus that. He kept it all in check. He kept them sustainable for two decades. Remember when we were talking about the Bills were the next great decade, the next great dynasty? No, we weren't. Duh, I don't know, Evan. I don't know. You were you were fanboying pretty hard. I mean, I like Josh Allen, but I, I the next they're about great, to miss the playoffs. Fire their coach. The next great dynasty. I don't know. They're about yeah, yeah. No, I was talking about. They're about to miss their playoffs. Kansas fire their coach. City, on the other hand, we've, yeah. Dynasty. We we've talked about what a great job the Niners have done. They still haven't won a Super Bowl. For him, we'll see what Kansas uh, not City your does. Niners. That's those are your. That's my. That's your team and my team. The Bills yeah, and the Niners. Yeah. If why am I why am I the Bills? Because you love the Bills. I don't. Love you the Bills. love the Bills. Oh All right, I don't want to do this right now. The point being, <laughs> sometimes you you wouldn't hire an electrician to fix your toilet, right? It's it, this is not this is not something Bills ever had to do. He's never really gone. They did like a mini rebuild. It's a retool. It wasn't a rebuild. They did a retool in like the late two thousands, early twenty tens. Yeah. Right. The 09 team that kind of stripped that thing down, built yeah. it back up. But he's never really had a start from ground zero like this. And by the way, that's not to take anything away from him. Because I'd say well, managing mean, it at the highest— I wouldn't say he started from ground zero, zero in twenty in 2000, but I, that team needed a lot Okay, so he did it once, but it was in a very different era. Yeah. It was in a very different era. That's the biggest thing, is it, right. it's the era. He, yes. it, this just isn't what he does. And he managed it at a high level, and he deserves a ton of credit for that because I think that's a lot harder than people realize. Oh, you're winning. What's well, hard I, to do? I also think what was so hard about it was is that they, because of the way that, you know, they couldn't have possibly kept every single player right. all the time. So they had to just keep on churning out. They had to play- keep finding guys. They yeah. kept finding guys. But, yeah. like, for the flip side, right, I think there are some coaches that are really good at yeah. getting the thing started, at coming in with the teardown. Right? You look at uh, – all the all the Shanahan tree guys, Shanahan, yeah. Lafleur, McDaniel—they're all really good at putting the foundation together, but they can't win when it matters, and they can't keep the sustained success 
because I, the house of cards of, falls apart. I hope one of those coaches wins, just so I can tell you that. They and it will be won. it will be one like of it Kyle, will be one of ten of them Mike in the league. McDaniel. How many collective seasons will that be? And they have one. Congratulations. Well, I mean, broken like, clocks right twice a day. I mean, it's the same thing. With but Andy but here's De- my point. Andy Reid to an extent, like. It took Andy Reid how long? But but this is my point. This is my point. It's hard. There's just certain coaches that can and can't do certain things, and I think you you need to find a guy that maybe is. Bill's never had to do this in 20 years. He's never had to do this. He has certain philosophies that just yeah. don't pair with being two and eight, with starting from the ground up. I I think you need to find a guy that's maybe more familiar with that. All right, let's take these last two calls. Uh, Dan is in Minnesota. What's up, Dan? Hi guys. Uh, I just wanted to chime in with my observation and again i'm i'm just a fan too seeing things from afar but i kind of think that belichick um at the early on in his tenure with the patriots he was probably more responsible for their success than brady you know maybe 60 40 perhaps even 70 30 let's say for the first three super bowls during the middle of that era though i think it was more 50 50 as Brady came into his own. But I think the last, let's say, four or five years that Brady was with the Patriots, it was 60-40 Brady or maybe 70-30 Brady. I think I think Brady even had a better um, feel for where the league was going, the need for more offense. And I think Belichick kind of stubbornly resisted that, and that led to some conflict between Brady and Belichick at times. Um and so I, right now, I think Belichick's way, style of coaching and his philosophy just doesn't fit the modern-day NFL, and especially with a losing team. I, I think during the time that they were winning, it was maybe a little bit easier for him to acquire talent via free agency and even get, let's say, better returns on trades and things like that. Um, but now that they're losing, I think it's hard for them to attract free agents and get free agents at a decent price or even get good returns on their own players that they want to trade. And I think that's hindering a lot of things. So I think they just need – Kraft just needs to change the whole regime, new coach, new GM, and uh, see how it goes from there. God, th- thanks for the call, Dan. We appreciate it. I, look, I, when it comes to, like, getting free agents yeah. and things like that, I don't necessarily agree uh, with that piece of it. I, I think the biggest difference now compared to, to what it was back then – was that all of the guys that they used to bring in back then when they had Brady, that was all supplementing the infrastructure that they already right. had in place. And so like when we go to think about some of these these players like a, a JC Jackson, like a Jack Jones, like a Trent Brown, those guys weren't they they weren't so reliant on those guys to just be a competent football team like they are now. Right. Back then it was like all right, we're going to bring in Trent Brown in 2018. If he ends up playing well for us, then that's gravy, right? Like, right. I, like great. Ja- you know, we're going to trade for J.C. Jackson. We're going to get him back. If we can get him back to where he was in his first stint with the Patriots, that's a bonus. Now they have to have those guys perform at a high level. Like Those are your guys now. Right. That's the difference, I think, with all those types of things. This team, and, and you know, I, we know we, I've had we've had a few callers already that have said it. Like this team needs those those foundations. You need a core, and that's what happens. Oh, and and yeah. this gets back to the whole point. Bill from the the like Devin McCourty, Dante Hightower, James White, Julian Edelman, Rob Gronkowski, like that core carried them. Yeah. Bill never established a, another core. 
Yeah. And that's mostly due to poor drafts, but it's due to a number of reasons. And that's why they're in the situation they're in now. And it's basically if, if he failed to do that, does he get another shot at it here when he's kind of been struggling it for five or six years? Or do you say, all right, you know, that's kind of yeah. he had his chance. He didn't do it. The team's now fallen off. It's time to find somebody else and give him a shot. All right. Quincy is in Columbus, Ohio. What's up, Quincy? How's it going, fellas? Hey. Um, so, part of the Patriots fan base that really gave me are the ones that, you know, blame Mac for all of the issues going on, as if Bill didn't choose Mac, didn't put the roster together, didn't draft the entire draft class for, you know, since obviously the past forever years. It just doesn't make sense that they blame Mac. But everything that Bill has done are fireable offenses for the past four years, like from the draft class, from the situation with the Mac, the offensive coordinator, like all those situations, any other coach wouldn't survive that. And the fact that they're saying that Bill deserves another shot with another quarterback, are you kidding me? I wouldn't trust anyone less than Bill. In my humble opinion. All right, guys. Thanks for the call. Thanks, Quincy. Good call. I don't know about that last line. I don't, there are certainly people I would trust less. Yeah. But everything leading up to that is kind of the point we're trying to make. Yeah. I, yeah. I, that's a good call. Yeah. It just – I think some people simplify it to making it just about Mac Jones. Right. When really you have to look at the totality of how this has collapsed to 2-8. and eight. And that's where I think a lot of people that – you know, only listen to like national media or only listen to certain, um, you know, talk shows that are just talking about the big, the big topics, right? Yeah. Like, you know, the quarterback, the head coach, the, maybe some of the personnel moves, you know, the lack of receivers, the lack of, you know, per, uh, star power on offense. But this is, if you look from at, at their team from top to bottom, they're just not a very well coached team. No. Besides maybe on defense, but even on defense, I still feel like they're holding this thing together. Yeah, defense is weird. Defense is weird because there's so many injuries, and, yeah. and it's a tough task for the coaches. That, but on offense and special teams, no, they're the 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 things that the the one metric I really use for coaching is penalties. Yeah, I think well coached teams generally don't get penalized a lot. They're second in the league in in special teams penalties, and I forget the exact number, but they're top ten in the league in offensive penalties. There you go. That yeah, I mean they're the numbers I use thirtieth in DVOA on special teams. 26th, I that think, a coaching now on thing? offense. I, I mean, it's just a general thing. All you right, know, all you, right. If you had better coaching, I think that you wouldn't be 30th. You'd be better. It's not just talent. You no. you don't get that low Especially just because you're not talented. Game. I mean, yeah. there's only so many punters and kickers on the Well, team. and they have a good punter. Maybe. I don't know about kicker. They have a good punter. No, they have a good punter. I'll, I'll tell you that. They have a good punter. Uh, he outkicks his coverage a little bit. Not really. A little bit. A little bit. All right, uh, we're going to wrap it up. Yeah, Deuce, Deuce, you, you stay over there. No, he wants right. to come in and do the punter talk all with right, us. All right, all right. Wants, <laughs> he, 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 want, he wants to settle in, you know, get his, his little his papers ahead, of, you know, in order and all those things. So Blast the headphones. Uh, we're going to wrap it up here. I don't know when we're going to be on the air next week because uh, there, next Thursday is Thanksgiving. Uh, oh, if, yeah. If you didn't know. I didn't know that until yesterday. Uh, so we'll have to figure out uh, when we'll be on Probably next Wednesday, week. right? Wednesday, Thursday, somewhere around. Uh, not Tuesday. Thursday. I, yeah, Tuesday, Thursday. Wednesday, somewhere around there. Uh, but 
uh, stay it's on the for, time of year. The schedule gets super weird. There's no more routine between now and the end. It's a sprint to the finish. Yeah, we're going to just keep. Uh, sorry. I, they got to go. Sorry. We're going to keep filibustering just to. Just I'm used to being the late show. Anyways, uh, I'll turn we'll, my mic off. Uh, we'll see you guys next week. And uh, PU is up next. Bye. Thank you for downloading this podcast. Subscribe on Apple, Google Play, and everywhere else you listen. Like the show? Please rate and review us. Listener comments and ratings help keep us high in the podcast rankings so new listeners can find us. Be sure to check Patriots.com for more news and more podcasts.